If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna die trying. Welcome to the Winners Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan, and I'm finally back. We're here. Uh, we're covering episode 13, the penultimate step of the war, but also episode 12, Friendly Fire, of season 40, Survivor, Winners at War. We're almost done. Almost done. Yeah, I uh, I apologize for not being around last week. I was basically completely unavailable the entire time. But we'll jam-pack both of these long episodes into one mega episode. I mean, I feel like if anything should be a really long, like, complete dissection of the season. Like, this is the right place for it. It is the penultimate step of the war, after all. What an so. awful title. Like, I'm, <laughs> no one said that in the episode, right? I think someone did. Ben, I think, said it. It's such, ben is like, always shoehorning the war into this. Yeah, he is. He is. Like... I don't know, it is so odd, it really does sound a lot like, like a Lemony Snicket book title, yeah. but, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it pretty much is, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, I, this one I saw it, I was just kind of rolled my eyes when I, when I saw it when I was rewatching the episode, but, I don't know, we're here, this is the end, I, I just can't believe, honestly, Joe, that we are at the, like, an entire season of the, an all-winner season of Survivor has aired, like, and I've seen it all. Like, that's super weird and wild to me, because this is something I've wanted since I was a little kid. Yeah, I guess that is true. It feels... I guess the feeling I'm getting is that's just so, like, warped from, like, what I ideally want Survivor to be. I guess I can't say from what Survivor is or should be, because that's up to Survivor, I guess. But, like, this is not really the Survivor I love, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, so, for example... We all season we've been like banging the drum of like we need two hour episodes, and then we get the first one in the penultimate step of the war is when we get the final or the two hour episode, and it's really just two episodes, but one of them shorter than usual because they put in a nine minute like recap of the show that they're probably gonna start next week with anyway. So it's like we actually got less content about the story this week uh, i know should we just, just get the, rushed re- it. the recap out of the way now <laughs> like sure as i saw the time ticking down i was like oh great they're actually doing something very smart and putting the returning challenge at the end of this episode so like yeah. i will know which six people i have to worry about and it makes my job a lot easier coming here but no we got a long long sequence of them ending their edge of extinction journeys and then when there's still hope because that part ends and there's 10 minutes left we go to a recap of the season like they would have at the beginning of the finale yeah no i was literally after at first when it when like there's so much time left i'm like okay so it's gonna be like a crazy challenge and then they did the hype of them and like oh they've actually got me invested in edge of extinction for once i'm like let's go like tyson just said i'm gonna win this thing and you have Natalie given the part idol and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I think it's still kind of dumb, but I'm all invested. Like, let's go. I can't wait to be like, be able to debate like, Ooh, what does the introduction of so-and-so mean for everybody else next week? Like, 
like really fun thought process of like a like it's a cliffhanger, right? Like it's an actual plot mm-hmm. twist at the end of the episode. Instead, I'm like, oh, they wasted my time for 20 minutes for no reason at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. You could have just told us more about what happened in the game. Put this part all where it's gonna be anyway at the start of next week, because. You know they're going to have to reintroduce the Edge people in some capacity, right? Right. I know. And it's like, even though this was two boots, like, this could have been maybe the best time ever they could have done them in one hour. Because, like, I feel like the stories were pretty cut and dry as far as they told them. Mm -hmm. They gave a lot of space for, like, extra fun stuff, which was nice. But, like, I don't know if you're going to take two boots and sort of expand on them i wish there were different ones i guess i don't know it's, it was a fine episode this this season is just so twisted for me <laughs> yeah like i mean like i said earlier this is something i've wanted since i was a little kid like i it's like you like you pull out your action figures but they don't make survivor action figures because that, that'd be kind of tacky and you're like oh i like, imagine if this guy fought that guy and th- that girl was up against her and like you're just yeah, you're brainstorming just... all these situations and You're feverishly going through Brant Steel simulations, being like, the yeah. dream. <laughs> like how many fu- how many Brant Steel simulations of all winners were there before uh like February of this year? So many. And like honestly, Joe, looking back, like I think Jeff Probst might have been right when he said like that controversial statement a couple years ago of like the winners just aren't there for it. Um like I don't know. I don't know what, what it is, but this season to me has been a fairly big letdown. And I don't know if it's, mm. like, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad Survivor season. I don't think it's, like, bottom five. Like, it's not, it, like, I mean, there's some pretty bad seasons, so it's not. But, like, I, I, to me, it's, like, middle low. And that's just kind of underwhelming. Like, I'd almost prefer it be bad, you know? Yeah, I guess when it, for me, when it's good, it's good despite itself. Like, the characters have really helped a lot, but a lot of production choices and editing choices have really disappointed me. So I can see, like, parts where people, individual characters have definitely shined through, but on the whole, it's not coming together great. Yeah, exactly. I think that's actually a wonderful way to put it, because I'm I'm still excited for this cast. But when I'm thinking about this season, and I'm we're at the last, I mean, we're at the penultimate, penultimate <laughs> step of the war, and... I'm still in my head being like, yeah, but like maybe it'll get better later. Maybe like, yeah. sure, Ben isn't developed at all or whatever, but like Denise doesn't have a story, but like th- she'll get there. It's Denise. But we're at the end of the season and there's no more mm-hmm. time for that. I still find myself thinking, oh, it's going to get better because this is all winners. This is this. Uh, this is what the hype montage says the greatest season of Survivor ever. But there's no more runway left unless it's the greatest finale of all time. I don't think it's anywhere near the greatest season or even the middle season. And I don't know if that's, like I said, sort of what I want from Survivor is very different from what this season and its twist made it into, or I don't know. Yeah, like, because I think the cast is good. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I said that kind of semi-hot take earlier that maybe they didn't have the people, but like, I say that, but then I think about it, and even this group, I'm like, you know what? Like, I was like, so excited for these people, like, to see their characters grow and like different permutations of them. For the most part, they pretty much stayed the same. They, for a lot of it, banked on you having a lot of positive feelings for them in the past, and it they kind of use that as like way to kind of trick and scratch in the stories. I, like, that's the thing that bothers me. I, I do feel like they over relied on the fact that you already had investment in these people and like it just doesn't feel nearly as epic as i want it to 
I feel like production's been bad in a way that honestly, I don't I don't think there's a worse produced season than this one. And like yeah. the entire history of Survivor. I think that is a like really good point. Is just they went too far and too much. <laughs> yeah. And didn't and also at the same time, like didn't plan for stuff. Like Yeah, it feels slapped together like it really feels slapped together in every sense of the situation um like we are like just like i was saying about the cast all season people have been like okay fire tokens haven't hit their we've been saying it fire tokens haven't hit their stride yet but think about the new layer of duplicity they add or whatever they added nothing to this season when you look back at it like actually nothing you got like two moments where people played themselves out of the game using them the two times people paid any attention to them they got played of the game for it and the rest of the time they've been a wet blanket of nothing that feel poorly thought out and they're changing rules constantly. And it just feels like, like they actually are a disaster in hindsight. Like they didn't work at all. A total disaster, like tire fire. And then you have edge of extinction. I think that's massively stifled gameplay. I think fire tokens have massively stifled gameplay. I think the advantages that they've come up with have been awful. Mm. I just, I really think that there isn't a worse season ever from a production standpoint than this one like give me the medallion of power that everyone makes fun of over any twist they put in this season right and i think the two big ones sire tokens and the edge of extinction like synergize in a really bad way like with how they've been implemented where you have the opportunity to get more fire tokens the longer you've been voted out of the game. So yeah. theoretically the worst you did. And you always have to like dump off all your fire tokens before you go to the edge of extinction. It's just... <sighs> and like, also it's like the edge of extinction people are selling like what Natalie got eight tokens for give someone a disadvantage in a challenge. So Nick had to spend eight tokens for Natalie to buy two idols three advantages in the challenge like the economy doesn't even make sense it's rigged it's mm-hmm. a rigged economy um like gotta get yeah, the money out of edge of extinction it's like a bizarre one to have here at the end like why not at least swap it with the extortion twist yeah like, and then they're just done and then you get like all these shots of people like like you mentioned it earlier uh just to me is like ben's wearing a necklace with just a token yeah, yeah, they really fizzled out and couldn't even sort of include what people were doing with their tokens that they now had no use for, which they had the option to like write letters to people on the edge. So if they were like, it's done, maybe you'd get some interesting letters written, but we didn't see that. So maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, because I feel like with that kind of stuff, like, I mean, all the time, every every millennial knows an interaction that they've had with somebody where they've texted it and the other person has misinterpreted what they're attempting to say, right? Like the text doesn't match the tone that you're meaning to get across. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably the case here too. Like why would you risk all your jury management on the hope that they read your thing right? Whereas like you can just deliver the message in like three days via your voice. Like no one's going to change their vote because of a note, I don't think. Mm. Probably, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I think... We feel differently about this twist that wasn't used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not worth debating. I think it's a lot more stronger, but we don't know. We have no clue because it was never utilized or mentioned. Like literally, you had to screen grab it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how sad it is. At the end of this thing, at the end of the greatest season of all time with the greatest players of all time, the best players. Why? Because they've already won. Introducing a new layer of duplicity of a survivor economy. And sorry, what was the best way to use them? Like, how can you quantify at any point somebody using them better than somebody else? 
you can't. It's other than Sandro uses them badly. Right. And I think like, go ahead. Cause no, you go. I was going to say, I think I don't want to see this twist again, but we probably will. And it's one of those cases like the edge of extinction or like the final four fire making where it works better once they know sort of the scope of it all. Yeah. So like, I mean, it will work a little better probably on the second time, but the first time wasn't enough to warrant a second time. So exactly. And I, I really think that we've seen more safe gameplay this season than in a lot of seasons, I think. And honestly, I've, I've always been of the opinion that big game, big unexpected twists stifle gameplay. So not knowing for sure when the Edge of Extinction person comes back makes it so you never want to backstab somebody too early because they could come back and completely screw you over. Mm-hmm. Additionally, like the final four fire making twist kind of solves the game at eight versus six. And I yeah. really think that's part of what we saw too. I think edge of extinction does it i think the fire tokens every week injecting a weird new mystery box into the game stifles gameplay because you don't want to make a big move because it could just get annexed by uh super extortion advantage or something along those lines like super immunity nullifier whatever they don't know what's coming in there's no way to guess what's coming in that also stifles gameplay because i think the point where they cut off all the legs of this game like i really don't think I think there's like three people that they have no path to the end, but they also can't act on it because there's so many random variables they can't control. And also, why would you ever turn on your final four alliance if you never have to vote each other out? Like, that's what that's what was always the criticism of the final three was like, oh, well, then at six, the game becomes solved because a group of three just wins. Well, now it's eight. And so Mm -hmm. I think since the final eight, the game's just been solved and there hasn't like there's no consideration to flip on each other because you don't have to worry about voting people out at four or three you just hope you win fire yeah yeah i think that's absolutely a good point about where this game has gone i think with the past few seasons where there have been these big twists like ghost island edge of extinction fire tokens here they've implemented them and they've had potential but then production has always wanted to make them a little mysterious like you don't know exactly what's coming like what is that ghost island or our island of the idols And I think if they did a big twist that was more transparent in its entirety, like, I think that could be interesting. Yeah, because like fire tokens, if you just told them straight up, this is what you can buy, it's way more interesting. Or like, I think we've talked about it in passing, but like the show The Genius, like they give them a set of rules for a game and it's the full set of rules. But then they know what space they have to play around in and build from there. Like, yeah. so then they, whereas like, this is if I did the genius and I was like, here's the game, but you don't know all the rules. And it's like, you don't want to play um, aggressive and creatively. You want to play safely and like conservatively because you only want to play with what you know, as opposed to like better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. Yeah. It's like rock, paper, scissors, you know, rock, paper, scissors tournament, but you know, every there's a 5% chance that the other player will use dynamite if you choose to face them or whatever. So why bother fight? Like why? Like you shouldn't play at all then because you're just <laughs> going to lose. Like it, it's so, it's so silly that you don't know what rules you're playing in. So it's hard to even evaluate. And I think that's a big reason why the edit's been weird. I don't know if they know how to evaluate how people are playing because like so many decisions are informed again by those twists. It's like, I've seen so much hatred of people uh, online of people being like, I can't believe people aren't targeting Tony and Sarah. You're like, well, they don't 
have any idea what's in the game right now. They don't know what the game they're playing. If you vote Tony at seven and Tony's won four immunities or whatever, he's just going to come back in. But with an idol like Rick, uh, Chris Underwood and Rick Devins came in with idols like it's a specter over your head that you can't maneuver at all because you don't know what game you're playing. And you don't know mm-hmm. what game you're going to be playing tomorrow and how that differs. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited to see a season with new players and hopefully like a bit stripped back, like just in general, like yeah. twists or advantages or whatever. Like, Yeah, and I, I do think that the fire tokens and edge have sucked the the like oxygen out of the room of how bad the final four fire making is. I, I really think that's the, that and edge are the ultimate culprits. And then fire tokens are just like, they're like, cause like Island of the idols or whatever. Sure. It's like, we were annoyed that it sucked up some TV time, but as for what it actually contributed to the game, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Um, It's sort of like, it just sort of worked like ghost Island where you knew someone was getting something that was probably good for their game. Yeah. So you every week. I mean, and that had its problems too, but you had a very clear idea of what was happening. Yeah, like quite like calculated probability is fine, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, okay, that person who left probably has something. Cool. You can work around that. You can think about what they have. But like someone randomly gets a thing in their bag from Edge. But like this week, and I guess let's move into more about this episode. For example, Ben, this week he got a disadvantage in a challenge, and he right. very clearly thought it was from someone on Edge of Extinction. Yeah. Like, he thought it was the jury picking to not let him compete. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. <laughs> like, And I still voted out the person who it was, so, like... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, from what Ben knows, that could have been any one of 18 different people. Yeah. So that, his reaction is laughing. It's like, oh... Any chance you're going to tell me? Ah, ha, ha, no, like there's no stakes because he doesn't know because it could literally be anyone <laughs> or no one. It could be the producers. Like, how does he know? Like, <laughs> I know that's the thing for me with this season. It's like, I'm just thinking about the game. It could have been how great the social politicking could have been if just none of this was here. And instead, it's all I can kind of think about is like, well, I can- I want to dig into people like Denise for not going to rocks at six when she goes up to a group of four she's like listen i know you guys are three i'm just gonna i'm fine we'll, we'll just vote the other guy out i'm gonna try my best to warm my way in but yeah i, I, I get it <laughs> it's like to me that statement on just typed out is an insult to the game of survivor is an insult to wanting to win to competitiveness but then i think about it for and I'm like, I, i'm ready to come in with my hot take denise bad i can't believe what she's doing and I, I've seen a, she that the stakes been happening a lot. But then I think about it for five minutes and I'm like, well, if she does that, an Edge of Extinction attorney is going to come in and she has no idea who it's going to be. It could be one of 19 people or one of 14 people, 15. 15. My math is not fantastic. And they could come in with who knows what, with what. Like, so why make a wave? There's literally no point because they could come in and be against you. Or they could be your someone you voted out, and so they want to work with like the others. They want to work with Tony, Sarah, and Ben. So you can't work with. You have to be good on them because it's going to turn into five one, or it's going to turn mm. into four two, or like maybe three three again. You really like you don't know at all what's going to happen next vote, so you can't do anything this vote. It's like how Nick talked about how there's always been like unknown variables and once the returnee comes back then it's like set in stone like you know what you have to work with for the rest of the game yeah yeah it's it's kind of bonkers that way where it's just like how can i even like 
I can't blame her because there's so many scenarios where flipping here and taking out even Tony or Sarah or whatever ends up just backfiring immensely. And it's kind of hard to even look at the lens of this because it's just such a fractured game. But we're going to try to. Yeah. Oh, boy. Will we ever. (laughs) Oh, boy. Will we ever. Um, Trying to think of how where we should go here. Um, I think one... um, offshoot here from the like way they opted to edit this this week really solidified at this point every single week of the merge they telegraphed the immunity winner in literally the same way as in they showed that person was gonna be voted out if they did not win they won and then the story was oh no chaos is now here because that person won like literally every time and i i I feel like that's probably a contributing factor for a lot of the low stakes feeling first half of episodes this season. Yeah, it's just, you know, they're a target. Like, so then they win and then things change. Like, because even Tony, who probably was never in danger, like, would be like seriously considered like this was the time they could get rid of him. Yeah. And then he won immunity. Yeah, 100%. Or it was about how he needed it to save... Like, to make sure Jeremy would go home or whatever. Like, it was... Every episode was two episodes. One, the first half, where they made the plan and they schemed to vote out one person. That person won immunity. And then the story of how how they did that again to vote out the person who actually left. Like, Mm -hmm. there was really very few uh, maneuverability there. Um, So that was... Like, that's just another thing I noticed, like, Michelle and Nick in this episode both got it. Um, if you want to flash yeah. back and see that. Yeah, we know it's, like, not something they need to do every time. Like, there's plenty of times where someone, like, super inconsequential <laughs> wins it. Yeah! Uh, like, the Survivor Gods ain't that powerful to make it the person going home every time. Yeah. So, it just feels, I guess, a little lazy. Like, you can tell yeah. a better story. 100%. Um. Yeah, like, so, obviously, we're recapping... The Kim boot, the Nick boot, and the Jeremy boot. And I I think these are different episodes in terms of quality. I do think there was lots of good stuff in here. Like, really fun moments all throughout. Because it's a good cast, and it's fun characters, and Hmm. I'm excited to talk about that stuff. Right. I think they took some characters in very bizarre and unexpected directions. And for me, an example being Michelle's story in the two-hour one, I thought was unheard of to me like i'm really excited to kind of sink my teeth into what that means and why they would show somebody in this season so like all of a sudden shifting gears entirely from everything else we've seen in the season prior she's definitely an interesting one to talk about and i mean part of it obviously hinges on how the season ends because i think given the circumstances michelle's been in like what what is happening with her edit like obviously that's what we're here for but yeah it's an exciting one to discuss the different possibilities for for sure i'm trying to think um so i think we got some like really fun moments like i really like the like the reunion of cops not not the reunion but the uh sort of like coverage of the history of cops arrest i thought that was really fun like the Mm -hmm. You won one, I won one, tiebreaker. Like, that's really fun. Like, that's a fun character moment that informs how they think. I actually think this episode gave a lot of time in general to show how all the players were thinking. Like, right. that's what I want from Survivor, so I have to commend them for that. Like, we got to hear Denise's thought process and her story about, like, the Endure and Let Go thing. Um, like, every character got, like, a little monologue about how they view the game and how they want to maneuver the game because of that. Yeah, or, like, uh, Jeremy and Tony's bizarre calendar scene. Where they discuss what two weeks means to them. 
Yeah, that was super weird because I'm I like, feel like yeah. the episode couldn't figure out if Tony just didn't actually know there were seven days or if he was being snarky. He was probably being snarky, right? Like, I, I think he just, it's how you think of a week. Like, I don't know. Like, Tony's thinking of it just in work week. <laughs> like, Ben is thinking, or Jeremy is thinking of the, like, literal measurement of a week, seven yeah, days. Yeah, like the Gregorian calendar or whatever. Like, yeah, just a really interesting, like, conversation between Yeah, people. that was really good. And it's going to come up in our story section because I think one another thing this episode did pretty well. And last week, too, I think both these weeks were um, sort of synergies on the season in general was like really synthesized down the story of what they're trying to say. I think at this point, all of them, all the ones that we were questioning have very clear what this season's about now. Mm, For me, anyway. I think I get what you're saying. I just, I mean... It really touched on a lot of them, so I can't say it, like, narrowed it down or anything, but it was definitely linking back to some things we'd seen throughout the season, which is nice. Yeah, no, I, like, I I actually do appreciate that. Like, for example, I mean, we were just talking about fire tokens. We talked a lot through this uh, podcast series about how we're like, well, we still have to bring up that weird quote at the start where Nick's like, fire tokens will determine the winner of the season. And Nick got himself voted out because he disadvantaged the guy that had he been immune nick's still in the game like nick fire tokened himself out of the game Mm -hmm. so it's like like i was shocked at how much they really did pay back to literally day one like they 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 were really and that's what makes survivors so great is they do pay attention to all this stuff like you know for every little thing shown there's a payoff that's why i love survivor and it's still here thank goodness um how brilliant it is to do that stuff. Cause that one, I don't think we had at all expected. Like, I don't think either of us were like, Oh, Nick's going to get like blown up from some dumb fire token move. Mm-hmm. Like, that felt pretty in earnest. Yeah. I don't know. There's that one line. I don't know whether it's when they're doing the advantage or at the very end, but like it's talking about crown the winner and it's subtitled and it's over a picture of Sophie. So who knows? Ooh. Everything has a reason. <laughs> So. Everything has a reason. I mean, yeah, and I stuff like that really does matter. Like flashback to David versus Goliath when like Nick's like, and David was king, right? And that's like his winner scene. Like they do that stuff. Like they really, um, they really do pay attention to all yeah. the little small things. Um, I don't know if the Sophie one's gonna happen, but like I don't know. Like I, for the most part, I like this season a lot. Um, this season, this episode, and the previous one really made me think back on it a lot. And for the most part, I like it. I'm just, I, I it does, it, it's worse than I wanted it to be, but. I'm sure a lot of that is expectations, but I also th- I also don't want to give it a pass because I do think it's could have been a lot better. There's parts I like, but I'm just sort of exasperated by it. Like every episode is sort of exhausting to me. I'm like, oh, this is how it's going. Right. Yeah, I do feel like they've like again. Like I think it's a the problems for me with the season are production and how that inf- like even if you have a great cast, if you have sloppy production things are going to be sloppy. Even if it's the greatest cast of all time, even if they're the best players of all time, even if they're people you love. I I think that it all comes back to that. And I think especially stuff that like Edge of Extinction, I think does a a 5% to 10% damage to the game. I think fire tokens probably do like a 3%. I think the final four do like seven, but then then you're at a point where it's like, oh, like seven, like 25% of this game is stuff I don't like Mm -hmm. and stuff that, makes the characters less exciting and interesting and every time they go to edge i know a little bit less funny things tony's doing and 
less uh, social manipulation that Sarah's doing and where Denise fits in the story. And it, that's the part that really is unfortunate to me. Yeah. I also thought, I don't know about you, I thought both of these challenges were pretty lame. Granted, she- actually, I like that block one. The Domino one's a classic, especially yeah. with how, like, honestly, the disadvantage worked beautifully there with Ben coming in second. I just, I was thinking, I don't know why, what brought this into my head, but I was thinking about the tile flipping challenge where they're all standing on the same board and, like, you basically don't want to trap yourself in a corner. Like, the last time we saw it was, I think, in South Pacific or something. It's just, like, they never do, like, it's all, if it's not just an endurance challenge where they all have their separate platforms, they all have their separate lane. And it's just, like, not the same anymore. I feel like, sort of, challenge... As we are at the very end of the season, challenge, sort of, uh, creativity, excitement is just very clearly no longer a focus of Survivor. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Between the telegraphing the boots, I do think that they tried to do, like, iconic challenges from the past. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I many of these were iconic challenges from the past, to be yeah, honest. There's much more iconic stuff out there. Yeah, like, I, I can't remember who won any of these things. Like, it feels, I guess... Like, it's a, I guess, an easy place to sort of, uh, like, tighten the budget, and it feels like they've done that. Or that will be something they will focus on, and by which I mean, like, if we need a place to save money, we can just reuse ideas from before. Fine. Well, I also, I honestly, I think part of it probably is budget, but I think a lot of it's probably just, like, the logistics of filming is so much easier. If you have 12 people... It's really hard to film 12 people doing anything mm-hmm. without having like cameramen in the shot. And like Survivor does a really good job with that stuff. That's true. But still, like, exceptional coordination that they have to do. And some of the more iconic ones is like hand on a pole. Why don't they do it? Because people would sit there for like 48 hours. Like, um, I, and they just don't want to do that. Like, I think that's a lot of what it is. Is Jeff, Jeff's getting older. He doesn't want to be out there for. 12 hours a day he doesn't want to be there um yeah they don't want to have so many camera crews having to come in there's labor laws making it so you can't have people filming for 48 hours straight like it's probably more stuff like that in general but like even just uh like i think caleb the the co-wrong incident made it so they can't use intense challenges probably like i think a lot of that stuff kind of compounds on itself and because I mean, the Caleb one was like dig in a hole and it just, it was so hot and dry that they like, it was a real emergency, right? Um, so I think that kind of stuff has really done a damper on what they can actually do and what they can risk. Yeah. I mean, I guess if that's the case, I don't know what they can do because yeah, I would, it's really a blessing that uh United States survivor has not had anyone die. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So that is probably something to... Uh, put at the forefront even though i think i've said in the past like they can live through a typhoon it's fine like that's what survivor's about (laughs) but yeah i don't know there it's a balance but it is disappointing to not see some of these just more variation in what a challenge is i guess yeah um speak just to kind of speak to last week i think overall i thought that episode was not fantastic like I i thought in general the story was kim tries to get tony out and then she can't and like my main takeaway from that week was wow look at how good sarah is that somehow she's completely off everyone's radar mm-hmm. um but like i thought it was a pretty obvious kim boot through the whole thing with like pretty low stakes yeah i mean once tony was immune oh i mean it was the episode where everyone gave up immunity for yeah <laughs> 
bad. Yeah, that hurt my soul. It, like, I, I think yeah, I saw a lot of people get, like, the sting from that. And I did, too. Because I think that's... I think this is one of those, like, gilded Survivor winner edit things. Where we've always been told that what defines a winner because of the winner edit is how much grit they have and how they would like they want to win more than they want to breathe and they want like that's what that's usually a thing that kind of connects all winners is the grit and passion to succeed to win at all costs and then seeing like four of these people that you've been told are the kind of people be like you know what peanut butter is good it really hurt my soul like a little bit even as somebody who is cognizant of the fact that that's manipulation and i mean many things compounding on that it was like eight people two immunity necklaces you had a one in four chance of winning you had been up there like it was 15 minutes like i know it probably hurts and stuff but like i i don't have numbers but i'd be curious to see like when food started getting introduced in earlier seasons like yeah it just like felt like they didn't care that much like that's on it like to me this season gives off the vibe that they don't care that much and yeah, that's There's sad a lot, of, a lot of people at least how it's being presented it's a lot of people like not really 100 percent playing to win in different ways yeah and i that's the thing to me joe that i don't understand is is that what's happening and they have like no choice but to kind of show it or is something about this narrative necessary to show like really belittle some of these people into just looking like they're kind of dumb i i can't tell which one it is because i don't know what the narrative would be that requires them to just kind of be like denise doesn't care about winning Mm -hmm. and present that on the tv in like the ultimate showdown of the best players i really could not wrap my head around that yeah yeah it just it feels like this season more than any other it feels like things are being left on the cutting room floor and i have trouble of making sense of what is happening even given what they're showing us yeah like like i get sarah's a good player why is she completely like never a target like it's been three episodes where sarah could have been a target and was like not even considered I mean, I think my take, and we'll get to it when we get to individuals, is, I mean, I think Sarah might just be in that upper echelon of, like, actually, like, god-tier survivor players. Game Changers and this both had that same problem, where you're like, it is inexplicable, unexplainable why everyone just kind of listens to Sarah and her number one ally at the time. It's like, I feel like nobody else in the history of Survivor has been able to cripple two seasons of Survivor and to just like, and theoretically, I mean, the Game Changers excuse was, well, they were not really so much Game Changers and they were kind of bad or whatever, right? This is all winners and it's the same feeling where it's just like Sarah's the o- Sarah and her ally at the time are the only people whose opinions matter. And like, that's, what it feels like it's like every single person is just listening to them for no we don't understand why and it's because it's something about sarah's game that just does not read on camera and i think that's what it is that's what it was for game changers was they couldn't explain why people liked sarah that much they just did i feel like but then you have to have like more of people saying like i want to work with sarah or this is why i'm listening to sarah i don't know I well, you had that it. last week i thought that was actually an amazing thing that they did last week in the edit was kim said i want to get out tony and sarah they're running the game and then she also had a confessional where she was like but i don't want it to be sarah i want to make sure i protect sarah because i think i can work with her down the line yeah, like they fair. did say why because sarah makes herself available as an option and i think you kind of saw that this week michelle's going to sarah to flip on tony obviously it doesn't work out but like sarah's the one people go to sure to make the flips 
I think that's, I don't know, like, you're right. There's just so much weirdness where it's like, I'm sure a lot of it is all these twists. But also, and, and I'm sure a lot of it is Sarah and Tony playing well. But it feels like there's a missing, like, 10% here, right? Like, I mean... Like, I think of Samoa, which is, like, horribly lopsided, and you're not getting, like, any of Galoo's thought process, but, like, things still make sense. Yeah. Like, even if the Eric boot isn't all Natalie's idea, like, that still makes sense. Like, Galoo flips on Eric, even if it is Brett and Dave doing it. Like, here, I feel like no plan is ever as we see it completely yeah like i don't know what to there's a scene i don't know what to make of it but like nick is talking to michelle and tony and like i don't even remember what it was about i think they're voting out denise or someone yeah it is denise and nick is saying yeah we can do this we can vote out denise and then all of a sudden it just goes silent on that scene cuts to like a nick confessional but you can still see like michelle had something to say there and like i don't know i can't lip read well enough to know what it was but it's like weird like it doesn't feel like it fits it doesn't look like michelle's just agreeing with that or anything yeah it's just like stuff like that it doesn't all line up and it's driving me crazy i'm i guess excited to see post game like what sort of stuff comes out about this game like yeah i'm sure this is the one <laughs> where those postseason interviews are gonna be really really interesting it's basically yeah. what i'm thinking because that was game changers right like after game changers it's like oh that season was probably a lot of fun to watch why didn't they show it to us right yeah, um, maybe that's the case and yeah i don't know that's just how i'm thinking about this episode or this season too obviously we got some great moments throughout as we saw in that recap but i couldn't help but laugh when for example jeff probst is saying we saw the advent of emergent gameplay and it's a shot of adam pulling on that thing being like can i play that it's like is that all you got for emergent gameplay was adam doing something stupid yeah yeah it's that montage was pretty pretty lackluster yeah it was it made me i think i think i came into this podcast right now a little lower on the season because of the recap like, now that I'm actually thinking about fun moments, I'm like, why didn't they include the ladder scene? Why was that not in it? <laughs> like, the scenes that people, like, loved. I don't know. Yeah. If there guess, were fun moments. I guess, if anything, I'm excited for the finale to hopefully, like, fit everything together in some sort of puzzle. Even if it doesn't have all the pieces, at least it's done. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot. I'm excited to see who's going to win, to be honest. Like, I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm less excited than I should be to see who's going to be the next two-time winner. Like I, I, I will say that. But with that um, caveat, I do, like, whatever. It's Survivor. It's all winners. I do love a lot of these people. Like, Tony is in the freaking final six of the game. That's cool. He has been more interesting recently. That's fun. I like it. Um, so I can't I can't really complain too much. Unless you consider the previous uh, little bit of this podcast too much. I guess the one last thing to touch on is last episode that we didn't cover. So it's kind of old news. But like, once again, there was a lot of tribal whispering. It really feels like everything Dan said when we last talked about it. Like, not only is it hard to understand story-wise, it is like stifling stuff like it feels very intentional that they did this all at the last moment and yeah not my favorite i mean good gameplay on their part but like not not fun for me yeah it's a really good way to abuse gameplay and like i I just feel so bad for all the people like that's probably a factor of it too right like if Mm. they don't have the footage they can't make their show that's probably a big reason why some of these boots don't make sense you can't unless you use footage from after tribal which 
I know they don't like doing. You can't like in the episode because unfortunately, Tribal Council is the end of the episode in Survivor. That's how it works. There's a there's a preset format that way, right? Like, yeah, you get to Tribal, the episode's over. So you then can't add commentary after the fact or fallouts or explanations or whatever. So whispering kind of does the damage to the show on that level where you can't, they don't, they haven't filmed confessionals about the tribal council. And if tribal council is now a hotbed for emergent strategy, they actually don't have the footage to properly tell that story. Like they don't. And you just like, you feel so bad for the editors. Cause that's probably a huge portion why some of these votes feel so deflated. You're like, there's one shot where like probably one scene of footage that they actually talked about this because it was um, intentionally abused and thrown up front. But you also can't use the scene where someone's like, okay, so we're not going to do anything until at tribal to surprise people because then it spoils the boot. And you're really stuck in a catch-22 there where it's either explain who goes home very obviously or don't explain it at all and like tough call tough tough bridge to walk i guess part of why these two episodes i was like well they had like two uh, tribals that looked like they were free of that and they still the story wasn't perfect to me like i did they worked way better though like you under i feel like you understood why nick went home i actually think they did an amazing job of that like nick gets advantage he overconfidently thinks that voting out like it's the will wall thing like he thinks he now has control of the game he saves michelle it's like yes i got my cake and i can eat it too but the narrator says no you can't and you 100 percent understand why he goes home jeremy goes home because he runs out of runway room like he's being he's the meat shield that like jeremy collins always talks about using meat shields he's become one stuff like that like i actually think this episode they did a good job of it of telling like how the person went home and i don't think it's a coincidence that there was no whispering yeah i guess the missing parts are like why are you not considering sarah and tony ever in life and i don't know (laughs) yeah no that's i mean it's possible that like i do think it's probably very i mean i think it's obvious anyway that jeremy was seen as a much bigger character and persona in this season than we saw. Like, I, I think that's a big thing is like Jeremy was probably playing at a much higher threatening level than we saw. Yeah. They talked about him as like, he's going to win no matter what in the end. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, well, what does non-winner Jeremy look like? Well, he doesn't even get any personal content or anything. So we're not really seeing him as a threat. Like, it's kind of a weird meta thing. Probably like they probably thought like Nick probably was under the impression he was making the big move by taking out Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, overall, like I, th- to me, the lack of whispering was a positive. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'd prefer this definitely for sure. Cool. cool, cool. Any thoughts before we move on into stories? <laughs> Perfect. So I think in general, that's, this is where this season really does well. And I think these two, ep- these two episodes, three episodes arguably really managed to do quite well was to me i feel like i can speak confidently on all of these and so i I am excited to get into them i think for example part of this story is about how sometimes it is necessary to let things go in order to prosper in the future as in it's really important to forfeit some battles to win the war in the end you don't need to control every vote you don't need to have your hands on every single cookie jar it's okay if you lose some things in order to win out in the end. I think that was a story all throughout the season and is still prevalent in this episode at this point. I, I, I think this is kind of code for 
how to be patient in Survivor. For sure. There's been moments all throughout, like, this is, like, where Sophie's, you don't have to be in every conversation that fits in. Um, I was thinking of this in regards to last episode with uh, the Edge of Extinction Coconut Challenge. Once again, Danny talks about how she just takes that like a marathon at a slower pace. It doesn't work out for her, but it's still, I think, portrayed positively there. Yeah, really. for sure. And I mean, obviously you had Boston and Rob have the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. and that was presented extremely heroically. Like, let love or hate Boston Rob, that moment was an appreciation for the grit he's displayed throughout his five seasons. Right. And yeah, I think in general, the idea that... um being patient and doing anything you can to get the prize is the most important thing of Survivor. In this one, it's probably, like, in this episode specifically, if we're just going to tie it to, like, an episode, like, or to one person in the game, I mean, it's Tony cutting Jeremy, right? It's him being like, ah, I wanted to keep Jeremy, but because of immunity, I can no longer keep Jeremy. I'm okay with not getting my best option. I'm going to take my second best option. That was basically Tony's story in the first half of half of this episode. And like, that's the thing is like, you're seeing it inform good gameplay. Good gameplay is built on calculating patience to um, like calculating patience, basically. I know. I, I feel like we've seen bits where Tony has like dropped out of the patience theme. I'm just interested to see how that all finally comes to a head. Whether that was whether he did enough patience wise to show why that was good, or if those bits where he faltered are going to be his downfall. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's an ex- exceptional point. Is often when we t- and I guess this is just a brief uh, introduction to how we talk about these things. So often these themes that we we outline throughout the season, they most of these were in episode one. Someone said it. I believe this one actually comes from episode two. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like. Mm. I think I was said it in the very first, like the premiere. Yeah, it, so, yeah, it is in the premiere. It is in the premiere. So like this one, this is a line Tyson said in the premiere. And in this episode, it is outlining strategy now. But next week, so many of these things come up in the final tribal council. Like so many of our themes throughout the years we've done this podcast. It's like the story section ends up being the final tribal council speech. I think this is one that will come up specifically under the lens of patience. Yeah. I think another place they can come up is like sort of once they've got to the final three and they have their breakfast and their little speech, like you can see where like a theme gets stuck onto someone for definite. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is my theme, whether it's good or bad. I carried it throughout the season. So absolutely. I I think that's a good point. Um, jumping off the, oh and the other thing is in the in the premiere we mentioned how it was uh perfectly metaphorized there's a perfect metaphor for it in the premiere with this crab and this snake fighting uh the snake left came back to later fight the crab again uh it was like crawling over his face and stuff that crab at tribal council this week i just wanted to make note of that the crab has won the <laughs> battle it's official but yeah no it, it's it's fun and like I like when they use animal imagery to highlight the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. I think that brings us here to our next one, the idea of building tools to create relationships. I think, and just building in general, I think slash utility is advantage. I think this season has said that it can go both ways. You shouldn't rely too much on it, but it can at, I think overwhelmingly this is negative. I think there is a story here of how people fail think utility replaces social relationships 
and how that can fail you. But also it can be used positively sometimes, but too many people use utility as supplement for social play. I think the big thing is it's not a replacement. It can be a supplement, but it's not a flat out replacement. Like Wendell couldn't just rely on building. Like there's Sarah's fashion show. Like was that actually like building social stuff or was it just a like stand in for it? Sandra, same way. Sandra was highlighted as being demeaning to Denise, right? And she makes that fit like crab nest or whatever, or crab net thing. Like, I think that's the thing is you see people try to replace having good social game with building things and overwhelm Tony with his spy shack. Right, like, fantastic example. It was highlighted specifically that it kills him. But when he's making the ladder, and it's like a collaborative thing that they're all goofing around with, that is an excuse to have a good social game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that, like, the spy nest here is being presented poorly. I think there's a part of it that's also showing how building just can be, like, utilized. Like, I don't think Tony is saying this will help me socially. If anything, it would hurt him, as we saw with the spy bunker in Game Changers. But here it's being shown, oh, this, I built this one episode, then the next episode, I'm going to use it, and it has rewards, so. In, In hindsight, there is a really weird story where... He uses a spy shack in one episode and it gets edited super negatively, but then he uses the spy nest twice and gets edited, edited positively for it Mm -hmm. where it's, and I, I, this is my way to bridge into our next one. So I'm going to give one more point before that. I do think it is kind of interesting. Like, uh, awesome moment when tony's like yeah the first time i, I built the spy shack and it was dope and then in game changers built spy bunker total disaster that was really funny mm-hmm. um but then him being like i i think in hindsight when you look at it and you're like well in that one episode the sandra boot when tony builds a spy shack the one on the ground it gets edited like you get Jeremy saying he's a completely different person on Days of Tribal. Like Tony is a psycho. Like he's a, out of his mind. Kim says. Like I think it's really interesting how much of this story has been about how the past does define you and how you should try to be consciously different than how you used to be. You should try to grow and change and not let your past define you. I think that is maybe the story of the season. Um, And it's all over this episode. It's all over this season, including in silly things like that, like Spy Shack being a bad, Spy Nest being good. Why? Because it's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there is something to that. Um, Before we move on to the past and the present, I do want to mention another way this is sort of in the episode is uh, on the utility sort of front. Denise using her fire tokens to buy rice and how that seems sort of like it's giving up or helping her stay around. But in the end, it's also sort of just a front. Like it is very much doing this thing that helps on just a physical needs level and how that relates to Denise's game. On that yeah, level. that was a weird one, eh? Where it was a subversion of it, kind of, where Denise says in confessional, I'm playing the role of the dejected survivor player. Mm-hmm. Like, we know this is Denise with a mask on and she is trying to manipulate people into thinking she's the type of person that would replace her social game with utility, but she is not as she says in confessional. So she stays Yeah, in a way it reinforces the idea that replacing this is bad, even though she did do that, but she did it to 
go against that idea. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty like pretty interesting and clear that they've paid a lot of attention to it, right? Like throughout the whole season. I'm sure this is going to come up. Like to me, I just see any of our people left having moments where they either did use this, like use things to increase their standing or failed and over relied on things. Denise with the rice, Tony at the shack, Sarah with the fashion show. Um, I'm, there's definitely one with Ben that I'm forgetting, but like you get my point in general, you see this all throughout. And so, yeah, I guess now I'll cross over to the past and the present where, yeah, like in this episode, we get, six years of cops are us we get uh tyson being like um like i've been voted out twice now time to play really hard you get michelle being like people haven't got to see the sassy girl from jersey yet yep yeah yeah sort of seeing michelle be like i play best when i'm in this sort of position so maybe this is where i need to be and i mean she references in the recap like i need to prove that I can win this. So it's very important to think about who you were in the past and I think definitely growing from it and how that can make your game in the present better. Absolutely. And I mean, I think we see it all over the place. Ben, I think has a, I think it was in the first half of uh, the two hour one, or it might've been last week as well. I apologize. I binged them all together where Ben says his view of the game is that, you should try to play your best and all that. But more importantly, you should try to make yourself a better person every day so that when you go back into your real world, you're a better person. Mm-hmm. That's part of this too, right? Like the idea that you, sh- a good survivor player tries to grow. Right. And yeah, like people, we've people who we've seen fail, Jeremy tried to recreate the meat shield strategy. Everybody we've seen that have been, have tried to do the same thing as they did in their first season have lost because of it. I think in hindsight, This explains Kim Spradlin's edit is her story from the start was Kim Spradlin is dominator. I'm so used to dominating all conversations and having options. I can't do it this time, but she didn't shift to being something else. She just kept trying to do it. And the season I think was lambasting that idea. Maybe a little. I don't know if it completely aligns with Kim's story. I think, I think the start anyway, and I think by the end. It's like, look, she's both Dominator, and, and same with Jeremy. He he does hide some degree with Meat Shields, mm. but doing the same thing again only makes you predictable. And I think that's what Kim got, is she was good old Kim Spradlin, just as good, but people were able to predict her patterns because she didn't evolve. She started... Like at our lowest of lows and almost climbed out of it. I don't, I, I think it just doesn't quite fit for me, like the story in general. Like she, if anything, she almost got herself into that bad position and was able to do things to almost get out of it, but it just didn't work at the last moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, on the beach, I agree with you. I think, I think him is probably the same. I do think the story and why she was never given the credit she was, was because she was effectively trying to do the same thing, is I guess what I'm saying. Additionally, I I do think, as wild as it is, in this episode, we get Ben saying to Tony, like, saying, I've never had this before. I've never had someone not want to vote me out. Thank you. That was pretty touching, I thought, and builds on this idea as well. Mm -hmm. For sure. Because obviously Ben was the, he plays the idols in a row, and he, it's a bull at a china shop, like pulling down paintings and stuff. Like, really obnoxious player. He's never really had an ally before. So that was pretty cool to see, I thought. And it is one of those little moments that I think 
this season does so great when it has the moments to do it. Right. Yeah. It's be like, look, this is who I used to be, but this is who I am now. Isn't it cool that that's a different person? That's what I love the most about the season. I do think it is the story of the season is how you use your past to create your present and future. Because like for I think any big winner contender right now, you can sort of see how that guides, guides yeah. their play. And I think all of those people are the ones who had positive interactions with this. Like we're not thinking about like a, not Jeremy really, but like not Adam or Wendell or anyone. Like Yeah, like Tony. Yeah. Tony's like I'm on house arrest is how he introduces us, right? Like, right. And I need to make sure that I don't look like I'm scary. So I'm going to be play really patiently. And then boom, sucker punch. Sarah, it's last time. The first time I played, I was in over my head. The second time I played, I was so ruthless. I took it so seriously. This time I'm just going to have fun with it and be myself and show everybody that I'm a fun person too. That's growth. Michelle, everyone said I didn't deserve to win, but I did. And I'm going to show I'm, I deserve to win this time, too. They're all stories about how they've used their present past to create the present and how that motivates them today. Additionally, part of this theme was the idea of this being, as Wendell said, the season of histories and past relationships. And uh, I would be remorse if I did not just mention here just the fact that Cops Arrest has been mentioned, like, in five episodes, <laughs> like... Um, is just a thing that's coming into the season and how some of these people have played together before and they're different. Like we get early on Sandra and Tony hugging and being like, it's okay that you voted me out. Um, like all those moments of like the, the interactions between people who've played together, I thought was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Next up, I think we have the idea that, I mean, Jeff probe summarized in the recap, like the chaotic pace of the game or perhaps lack thereof. The recap was going with chaos. But I do think we've seen it maybe not be that much. I mean, it's definitely there, I think, more than other seasons and enough to say, at least they want to say, look how chaotic this season was. I mean, you saw it all over Kim's boot with how Tribal played out. Like you were saying, with the way they've telegraphed the immunity winner, it does always sort of lead to this manufactured chaos after the challenge. It's like, well, now what do we do? Like, all the plans get thrown up in the air, so it's definitely there. No, I mean, you even get stuff like just the whispering at Tribal, like like all those shots early on of people sprinting and all throughout, like they've been trying to emphasize just how fast it's going. I think it's probably a lot of manipulation. But they want us to think that and I, there probably was a lot of chaos and that people were playing safe and that creates paranoia. But like, absolutely, its fingerprints are all over this thing. I love this one that you sort of modified here into being called shield strategies because it's so right. We got the nerd shields. We got meat shields. We got big targets in small places. We got lions and hyenas. The talk of shields and their various forms dominated this season from the very start with the Sophie confessional. But I think the lingering one is the idea of lions and hyenas. Oh, for sure. I mean, it came back finally. Like we got it back. Um, Tony's still talking about whether or not these hyenas are going to be able to band together and make it through to the end. Even when it seems like they're mostly gone. So, and it doesn't seem like they have any way to stop them. So I'm curious still how it's going to end because everything looks like it should be like the lions win this easy peasy but there's just still enough doubt there that like the hyenas are somehow going to steal this yeah it's definitely a little weird at this point like it is interesting like that apparently meat shields equal bad but being a lion is good i don't know stuff like that's so odd but 
yeah, it's, it's clear that instead of the, like Cambodia was defined by keeping the big threats, right? This one instead is defined by killing the small threats. The result is the same, but it is more about killing them than it is. It's an aggressive theme. It's about lions eating the hyenas. It's not about mm-hmm. protecting the lions. Yeah, it's very much like a rhetorical difference. And it's interesting to think about because when Jeremy used it, he was like technically the hyena. But now it's very much seen as the lion's strategy. They are the ones with agency almost. Where like, it's like if one of Jeremy's meat shields came up with this. And Jeremy was in essence a hyena. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a fantastic way to put it is. Jeremy and Cambodia, the story, if you did lions and hyenas, it would be Jeremy's the smallest lion. And so Mm -hmm. he needs the bigger lions to protect him. And then he'll cut them. So he's the last lion or whatever. Whereas this one is the opposite. It is. Kill the hyenas, which is why it doesn't, I think, reflect too badly on people like Tony for when Jeremy leaves. Because it's not about protecting the lions. It's about killing the hyenas. No, I don't know. I mean, Jeremy wasn't a hyena, I would say. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's a, it's bad, but it's not like, how do you put it? Like a uh, contradiction to his game philosophy. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it really doesn't go against this theme. It's not ideal. Like... In the same way yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is the opposite there. Um, just that rhetorical difference does give it more power. But yeah, I think this, to me, this is the season of how I think a lot, the twists, but also game players trying to keep shields in, killed the curse of, like, the hyena. Because I think that's probably part of this, right? Is every all-star season that you've had, like, every season with returning players, Amber wins the first one, not exactly your lion. Sandra wins the second one. Not exactly a lion. I mean, if you included fans versus favorites, Parvati wasn't exactly a lion going in. Um, Jeremy wasn't exactly a lion going in. And uh, like Sarah wasn't definitely not right. Like you really for all of these massive returning seasons, it's for the most part, the like ninth biggest threat has won. And this one, I think this season's been about how this is the first one where the big names dominated, even if. They kind of didn't. That's the thing. I mean, they haven't, they certainly haven't closed it out yet. Like, I'm really, yeah, I'm really just curious where this theme is ending. Because I still think it can go where Tony sort of was constantly saying this and then it comes true. Like. Yeah. But I do think it's been weird where they, this season the whole time, it never really presented like, because I think it's very obvious anyway that a lot of the old school players got voted out because they were big threats. Like that was the narrative in people's minds, but they weren't really said that way. Like they weren't like other than Boston Rob, they weren't like crazy threat Yule or whatever, right? Like it was more their old school kind of thing. Like that was a separate distinction. Old schools, old schoolers don't got a choice in being lions or hyenas or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they were portrayed, the reasons they needed to be voted out were not, they were gigantic threats. It was like more specific as to what they were doing in that moment. Yeah. Some of them were obviously, but like, like sure. Boston Rob absolutely was like, he was presented that way. He didn't get a chance to meet these people though. So, mm-hmm. and that was even presented. He's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, like, especially if you just look at like, if before this season, like past me was told that your final six was Denise, Nick michelle who's ben those four are in it i would not be like wow that's a season of how the big threats stick together that's true that's very fair to like if you just leaked those four of the final six Mm -hmm. you're thinking oh this is like this is game changers yeah like obviously tony and sarah kind of 
change that, but like, like the, the boot order really has not been how, if that was the case, it would be Boston, Rob, Tony, Sarah, Parvati, Kim, file six. I think a new theme that we entered was, and I actually think this kind of ties into our past and present theme in a way that is really clever that I really appreciated from the editors flashback all the way to season 25 episode one um one man decides he's a he's a king himself zane knight has all these tattoos all over his body and denise stapley is like zane tell me about your tattoos and then she gets in the confessional booth and she's like zane's tattoos indicate that he's like more perceptive than you'd think but like and she completely psychoanalyzes this guy uh for the tattoos all over his body and then flashback to this or flash to this episode uh 15 seasons later and denise is talking about how she's never been a big fan of tattoos but now she's gonna get two and Durr and let go and i thought this was an amazing scene she was crying it's very beautiful love denise love that they're playing with the past that way in such a clever and referential way i really like that um whole thing yeah i guess the thing is about this sort of story of Endure and Let Go, which we saw across both episodes, is it kind of came out of nowhere and Denise just sort of inserts it into the story. Yeah, this is your inaugural scene that's so good, (laughs) even if it has no bearing on everything else, that it just gets like its own segment. You know what I mean? Like this is the Brett and Zeke, uh, like having a beer across generations of being gay moment. This is like, this is that moment, right? Like your touching moment that just doesn't connect to the rest of the story at all. Yeah, and I mean, it sort of fits in with, I would say the season could really portray Denise's play right here as sort of giving up and against the spirit of the game. Oh, do you think that's what it was doing? Oh my God, that's absolutely what they were doing to connect it here, right? (laughs) Um, uh, But like, given her her being done with Jeremy at the last tribal council and then sort of the stuff she said throughout this episode... I think it sort of lets her have that mindset in a positive light where, and maybe, and I don't think she is saying I'm just giving up entirely, but sort of explaining why she's maybe not making the most aggressive, like Hail Marys like Michelle is. Like it sort of puts her mindset into uh, perspective. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably a good point. I think the negative view would be it's opening <laughs> the door for like it's kind of just for like neutrally foreshadowing like look she's gonna let go but also tell me if i'm crazy joe because you just unlocked my mind okay so like i just said flashback to 25 what's that season about that's about denise enduring right denise and malcolm both enduring the the toughest obstacle they literally get picked off it's all, just them two, and they are both in the final four and it's all about survival it's just survival that's what that season's about is like how to just persevere, live through today and figure out tomorrow or the next day. Now, I'm sure the producers are so mad that Denise didn't lose one more immunity challenge this season because she went to every single tribal except for one, right? Uh, I believe. I think there was two because Amber two. and Tyson both went. Oh, and wait, the Rob one. Oh, so no, not quite. She went to a bunch, but I'm sure they were really sad that she didn't lose a couple more Mm -hmm. because you do get like her story ultimately being about surviving over strategizing right like even in the philippines finale it's not like she's trying to take out malcolm right like she does once she realizes he's coming for her her so her story's always just been about survive and hope you win right like i think this season was a how that looks if you if you're not the winner right like it's still cool you're still an underdog we still love you but also 
it's a critical error sometimes to just try to survive. Sometimes, sometimes the 50% chance of dying gives you more win equity than the 100% chance of living. Fair way of looking at Denise's sort of gameplay style because in the Philippines, she didn't need to play the sort of out in front aggressive way we've seen a lot of recent players play. Like it was part that endurance and just social maneuvering that let her do it so even though she sort of co-opted the same strategy here and it wasn't the place for it like it just doesn't seem like it was the strategy to win this season like i think this is the best way to sort of show that without saying all right like denise is actually a bad player yeah because I don't, I don't think she's a bad player. I think she got severely outplayed in this season. Yeah. And I do think that there's a lot of it going on here where we talk a lot about the torch edit on this show. How you can inherit the, ep- the edit of a player that maybe you vote out, you blindside, or is your ally and you get blindsided by. I mean, Denise uh inherited the anyone but me strategy right like she inherited sandra's edit to some extent yeah she's the placeholder for sandra i don't care who goes home as long as it's not me and i do think that the season is kind of taking a little bit a lot of bit of aim at that idea because that is just not doing anything right like that's code for being fine with it whatever yeah but yeah like yeah i think that's that's a good examination of this endure and let go because it really is the two sides of denise and i i think it fits into our Uh, forfeiting the battle to win this war thing but in like a slightly different way and all that like sad all the sad themes too like the the quote-unquote sad themes of like how people like how tyson said like some people never get over losing stuff like that speaking of which let's move here to things will be hard but you belong a theme that's been was super in your face in the premiere jeff Probst says it uh as well as some strange drinking quote and then it's really dominated the story way more than I thought it would throughout the season. Like you have Michelle's dominant story being that she wants to belong as a capable winner. So bad Nick and so many of these other people are trying so hard to belong, but they, they just Adam, they're trying so hard to make it seem like they belong with Boston Rob. It doesn't quite happen because it splits so evenly. You have the edge of extinction people trying to prove that they still got it. Like it's, all over the place in this season and it's absolutely coming back at final tribal i mean i think it depends on who's there like i think there's a case where people who definitely do belong just make up the final tribal like maybe ben i think ben is uh not really a spoiler but like he's like the top pick for losing finalist edit right now um but he's probably one who can have a bit of this um, but I, think, I mean, can you make a final three right now that doesn't have this? Uh, Tony, Sarah, and like a strong edge attorney. I mean, I think at that point it'd still be like, do you deserve to win when you got voted out? Right. That's fair. Um, yeah. That's why I'm thinking about it personally. <laughs> like, and I mean, yeah, it's just hard with Ben being there. Like, this is such a Ben theme. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to highlight it for this episode because I think I tied it to Michelle's performance in the first immunity challenge where she just, she just biffs it hard and she's so sad. And at that point, everyone consoles her. Um, You can hear Sarah saying we're all second place, which I honestly hate that line. (laughs) I think that was so uh, trite, but yeah. Yeah. No, it's corny. Um, (laughs) but yeah stuff like that like michelle took it so hard and it ties into what we've seen before where michelle obviously 
has heard all of the doubt about her first game and wants to prove that it wasn't just a fluke. Yeah. And so, and like, ah, man, it makes me so sad because I think in this episode, one thing I'm, I kind of highlighted is how weird I thought Michelle was portrayed in this episode. I really think that they went harder on Michelle in this episode, at least the first half. No, I guess it was, so it was the second part, second, the first half of the second episode of the two hour part. Then anybody else this entire season like i they had tony rip into her and i really did not see it coming for anyone in this season because of this theme being there and them in general trying to keep them mostly positive like tony just like completely dismantled her and her reputation i really thought that they almost went too far in how they were showing it like having tony say normally in survivor you want a goat because you can beat them and they're easy. Michelle's a goat. But in this one, she's not even worth bringing to the end. She's below even bothering. Like I would rather, like he's effectively saying he would rather lose against non-Michelle than bring her. Like I really thought that they went way harder than I would have ever expected them to go in this season on Michelle. Well, and I think, I mean, the interesting thing about that is, and we talked about this pre-show is, I don't know if I see that as a dismantling. I think it is almost like can be portrayed so like such a blow to her but it can also be seen as like a big misstep maybe like maybe michelle's not even a goat like i think there's room for like a consideration of her social game here or stuff like that um or just the like sarah from heroes versus villains where not sarah sandra um where it's a you just didn't see it coming, but Michelle was a threat the whole time. Hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not certain that that was a bad thing for Michelle. I would be stunned if they would show their like winner of all winners as a goat who doesn't even deserve to make it to the end. Like it's not only you're a goat, it's you're a goat and you're so bad that you don't even deserve to be there. He says she has no idea what's going on. Like it's right after she votes wrong. It's soup i don't know like i'd love it to be subverted because i loved michelle this episode don't get me wrong like her dancing when she wins the immunity challenge and like how excited she was so many of her confessionals were good like nah 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 nah, nah. i uh, i really don't think they would show their winner this way hmm, i don't know i about that oh <laughs> i mean yeah that's that's really the thing is like you have tony saying that but then there's this whole part of like, all the times we've seen Michelle, like, maybe not being successful. She's voted wrong a lot. But, like, Michelle is trying. Michelle is a player. Michelle definitely has proved why she won. Like, yeah, I think to us, and maybe that's why I'm having a hard time with it, is that this line doesn't 100% add up. It's like, is Michelle... Is Michelle a goat? And if so, why are you going so hard for her? Like, that seems like a mistake, too. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot in question there. For sure, for sure. One thing I do want to... Uh, yeah. Mm, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for the next theme there. But okay. next up, we have The Nature of Truth. And I think it was super... Like, I think this episode, the two-hour one, this is what that episode was about. In my opinion. I didn't see it a ton. Uh, the one big quote I pulled was Ben saying to Nick, I'm playing this season with trust. Like, sort of. And it sort of could almost work as how the season is being played. Like, everyone 
even though we've been shown as it's more up in the air and chaotic, there's a lot of people placing heavy, heavy trust in one another, and it's unbreakable until they get voted out. But yeah. So my takeaway was the scene that you flagged, the Jeremy and Tony scene, was all about this idea of, because part of this is that we included all season goofiness and hilarity and comedy and stuff like that as a mask for deception and how we had at the first edge challenge Tyson crying about how he uses like he isn't the funny happy-go-lucky guy he's funny because he can't sometimes look himself in the mirror he's so sad like very much like this crying clown and how uh comedy can be used as a mask also Mm -hmm. for deception uh Tony and his ladder um, the whole pulling your arms down for the sucker punch, him running around the spy shack, the spy bunker, like all over this season is the idea that you can present yourself silly and people won't take you seriously. And that gives you power to manipulate them. I think that's important context for my pitch here. I think maybe one of the biggest themes of the season that we somehow a little bit missed just in how it was portrayed is the idea of how some people view Survivor as a game, a way to unload, like unload, uh, use your brain as fast as you can, and just really go for it and have fun and have a good time and do well while you're doing it. And some people consider it a job. All throughout this season, we were like, wow, it's super weird that Tyson's the only one getting family content. And he keeps talking about how he's a professional Survivor player. He took time away from his family to come do this and... Uh, He's weighing whether it's more worth it to stay at home or be there. Uh, Jeremy mentions how these are the reason. This is the reason I almost stayed home and the reason I'm still here, like with his family. It's all about the how much you put into it, how much like what tone you're putting into it, how much pressure you put on yourself. And the characters we've seen do the best in this season have put no pressure on themselves. Tony comes in. He's playing patiently. He's just going to have a good time. Sarah, she already has her good win. She's just going to show how much fun she is. This is a season about how playing fun gives you so much more ability to manipulate people than if you take it seriously. Ben's taking it too seriously, so he's going to lose. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what it is. If you are able to have a little fun with it, you'll find some success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, I can definitely see how that scene between uh, Tony and Jeremy ties in. Yeah. I mean, that in its way is a, like two different kinds of truths if we're referencing kelly kim where like i think it's two valid interpretations of what a week is it's just seeing them from different perspectives like to some people the week is the work week and then on the ends you have a weekend to play and have fun whereas for other people the whole week is a week and all of it is one unit of work intermixed with a little bit of play i'm gonna be honest i was a little confused what tony was actually saying (laughs) like i feel like they cut that scene oddly so i couldn't really understand like exactly what he meant but like yeah i think the general point is right that tony's like no my my real life is work this is a game i'm gonna have fun and i think that's been his case the whole time right like he giggles in his confessional and he seems so happy out there mm-hmm. whereas like honestly most of jeremy's facial expressions this season have been like eye rolls and like are you serious ben and like it's two different philosophies on this thing and i think ever since the very start it's been showing how really just having a fun time gives you more power than if you put so much stakes on every little thing mm-hmm. and I guess if this is a positive for Tony, it's very much being manipulated to look that way. Because the sense I get from Tony 
in every scene he's in is he is like thinking through every single moment and action that he does and yeah. like really considering what he does before he does it like so if anyone is like treating the whole thing as a job it's him but it's definitely not portrayed that way like tony seems to be having the most fun i would say yeah for sure. Him and Sarah, right? And like, they're the two that have been, like, I feel like it's not crazy to say they're easily the two that have been shown to be playing the best. They're the two best players on the cast. Mm-hmm. If we're just trusting the edit. Yeah. And what unites them over and hot take is Tyson third, probably. Probably. Like Tyson got all that stuff about how, like, I'm the type of player that if I, once I build my roots, you're, I'm unstoppable. Stuff like that. Right. Like, um, I, I, mean, I do I, think, I think maybe Sophia Kim is. Oh yeah, Sophie. Sophie's probably actually. <laughs> Sophie's introduced in the premiere really funnily, right? Like talking about yeah. physics or whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like Sophie's wit was part of this story too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I just think it's it's really cool that this is not usually what you get, right? Like you usually don't get like the it's the opposite. Usually, it's the person who's like JT spits his tooth out in token sheens, and that's a sign that he's gonna win because he's got more grit than everybody else. My call away, like. I guess you do get like the happy dance and stuff like that. Like winners are ten- tend to have goofy moments, but it's usually not like they didn't take the game as seriously as everybody else. I think that's kind of fun. In this season, it's like if you're treating it simply as work, as a job, like that's not the right way to approach it. Like there's a balance to it. Yeah. Like there's a there's an effort you have to put in, but it's supposed to be fun in some way. Thinking about it now, honestly, like winners have more funny moments than you'd expect. Like Fabio with the Fabio's entire thing, like Jenna with the peanut butter, like mm-hmm. Sophie with the, uh, Jack and Jill. Like maybe that is more of a thing in general, but Mike eating the scorpion and the happy dance and stuff like that. There probably is more more of a factor than you think, but in other seasons. But well, I think they they often give them some like character highlights. I think maybe if we're coming fresh off Tommy, it's a little like. Yeah, like maybe they thought Tommy's Applebee's confessional was funny. Teaching with Tommy, thrilling, but (laughs) that's a good point. (laughs) Maybe Tommy's just not funny, Joe. I don't know. But I think Um, we're coming off of that and thinking uh, winners are generally a lot more serious when, like, yeah, 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 indeed, yeah, indeed. Um, let's move here to uh, emotional decisions versus strategic decisions, and I'm curious what you have here for this one. I think uh, I might want to go down to what I've called the toll of playing survivor. Sure. For first, because I think this sort of, or for at least this episode, the first theme is sort of a subset of this one. Uh, before we just had this as like people talking about getting voted out, like Tyson's like, some people can't ever recover from it. And then in this episode, they really talked about how returning from the game, even after you've won, wrecks your sense of trust. Like, that was brutal. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy couldn't trust his coworkers. Uh, ben couldn't trust his wife. Uh, Michelle couldn't trust people giving her directions to the bar. It's just insane. <laughs> that was, it's always really funny when someone tries to like match, you know what I mean? It's like Michelle doesn't have the same level of like, fa- like, because like people just give more credit to like family stuff. But like, it was super funny that she's like, yeah, people. First, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. like the- when she said it, when I watched it live, I had, like, no clue what she was saying. Like, it just comes out of nowhere, and she's like, I didn't know if this person was just telling me to turn right when I go to the bar. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then you, I, Don't you know, Joe, all bars are to your left. But then I, like, got, like, Ben talking about trusting his wife, and Jeremy talking about trusting his fellow firemen, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I see where Michelle was coming from, but... 
yeah, yeah she just doesn't have the way to relate there um but still it's it's interesting that the season has taken this full sort of scope where yeah it's hard for people getting voted out but it's just as hard for people who never get voted out who win the game Mm -hmm. and in a way edges in many ways been the antithesis to that for example in this episode amber's like you know what like i'm gonna miss this like i'm gonna miss having this beautiful view and like edges the coping mechanism sort of uh story on the back side of this in episode 12 sarah at the tribal talks about how we kind of wish we could be over there and out of the chaos, whereas they're playing to get a chance to be back over here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those grass is always greener themes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And I usually don't like to talk about uh, secret scenes. And so I'm just going to make a disclaimer here that I am going to talk about a secret scene for just a bit like 30 seconds. Cause I think it was a very, very powerful one. I don't think there's any bearing on the season or anything like that. Um, So if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead a minute and then I will not talk about it anymore. So I saw a secret scene. The last time we recorded was the Sophie boot. I was like, ooh, so we're going to get some sad content with Sophie. We got it. It's in a secret scene. Um, I'm shocked it didn't make the episode because it was good content, but it was so sad. It was almost exactly what I called there of like just how she was devastated to be uh, got to have been voted out. Like it was really, really dark. Um, definitely recommend watching it if you can. There's a positive ending, but I just oh. wanted to touch touch on that. Yeah, I knew that was the. I think the title of it was "Sophie makes goes to the edge of extinction," but I didn't know much more beyond that. I did sort of surmise that hmm, they probably should have shown this if Sophie still had a chance. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's that's all I want to say. It just I wanted to mention that it was a powerful yeah. moment. But yeah, I wanted to sort of get that theme in there first because after this they sort of talk about emotional and strategic decisions and how you have to make strategic decisions, but you're also playing with people and you hope they understand the strategic decisions you have to make. And I think one of the most interesting things is how they say this time, like you're playing with your friends. Like they mostly know each other, right? Like Mm -hmm. for the most part, we know that once you play survivor or any reality show for the most part, they kind of know each other and they're kind of friends. Some of these people live in the same city. Some of them have played seasons together. Some of them are just good friends outside of the game. Some of them had pre-game relationships, whatever. Like some of them played poker together once, and that's yeah. Some of them played poker together once. Some of them were married, you know. Um, <laughs> like some of them dated before. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, in a way, this was the season of past relationships. It's just not as overt. It's like, well, yeah, it's, sure, it's weird playing with your wife. That's that's the craziest of all. But it's still pretty weird playing with people that are your friends and acquaintances. Like, yeah, you know them and you like them and you're fond of them. And maybe you want that relationship to grow. You want to be friends is losing a friend worth a million dollars or two million dollars in this case. Like stuff like that's um, weighing on these people in a way that really I'm surprised they didn't vocalize more before now. I mean, sort of when this gets rattled around, it makes me wonder, like, how is this forecasting what the jury is sort of thinking? Like, does the jury is the jury going to have this mindset where they're not quote-unquote bitter they're going to respect the game or are these decisions made important to who is the rightful winner of the season so i don't really know yet i mean not only do you have this at tribal you have like moments where sarah is like okay i'm fine with you tony but if i get voted out i hate you <laughs> never talk yeah. to you again. It's like, like you 100 and like they're friends friends right like you heard about that in the Game Changers preseason about how good friends they were and how Tony coached her. And it's like, and like, 
add what five years on that like yeah they've known each other for so long like they're friends like probably like best friends her and denise live in the same city then the i from rob has a podcast interviews they like hang out semi-frequently like it is uh shocking how much like this is intertwined and yeah like i thought it was a really powerful theme that they were banging here with this uh toll of plank survivor and then like these are the winners like ben mentioned a couple weeks ago like it's crazy how fast a million goes and you're like oh like there's a lot of like like the the sadness that comes with winning in this season michelle saying like i won but everyone hated me and said I didn't deserve to for the next five years. Nick, the people on the internet called me evil Donathan vampire and were so rude to me. Like, there's a lot of that in this season. We, I feel like we never got the feeling from any player, except maybe some, like, pre-merged people, maybe. But, like, that winning, like, just, like, solved their life. Yeah. Like, like kind of amber kind of yule but like that's it like nobody was like i won and now my life's been awesome that's a really good point is how how negative it really has been shown like even like boston rob has that scene with michelle and it's like well if you win you win like that sure it's a powerful moment but like it is kind of just in the back of your head you're like I don't know, like all these things compounding on each other. It is like, <laughs> it, it, I'm shocked at how dark it's gone with what winning means. Right. Or at the very least, it's just straight away from like the positives. Yeah. Like I think like even our- Tyson's like, is winning worth being away from my family? Like that's like, it's not even like winnings. Cause usually the story is Jeremy. I got to win for Val. Like I love her so much. We got a kid. We need the money. Like I'll do anything for the money. Mm-hmm. anything for my family this is like maybe being here is bad which is so weird yeah you know like someone like a kim could be like yeah i won and it was amazing and did really good things for me but like no we just sort of saw her struggling yeah and, yeah how sad and, it is that i'm no longer in control yeah her very story, right? interesting that no one i don't know maybe i watched too much like project runway but on their all-star seasons they're always like yeah after i won i started my own line and this is all the success I've been having. And it's great. Like no one on this season was like really talking about like, yeah, after I won, like, I think Adam also has that too, where like Adam was able to do a lot with his winnings from what I understand. But like, yeah, we never got that side of Adam. That's for sure. At all. We got little <laughs> toddler, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and like, again, like even just bring you up, like it's multiple winners talking about how, yeah, it is crazy. How fast a million goes. Like, Mm -hmm. that's something I did not expect to see in this, because they've always presented that prize as, like, life-changing, and your life will never be the same again. And, like, obviously it is. It's a huge amount of money, but, like, it is still wild how willing they've been to just show that. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of money and how fast money goes, uh, that brings us to the survivor economy, which... At this point is so, and like, I kind of, I'm kind of kicking myself. I'm not going to lie. How ironic this theme was. And it always comes back to, I always doubt their ability to laugh at their own twists, like, or make fun of them. Last season, that was my mistake too. Like, I was just waiting for the moment that Tommy went to Island of the Idols and had this like powerful life-changing moment. And instead it was, Island of the Idols is stupid, vote for me, jury. Like, <laughs> I didn't need to go there. Easter egg hunt, Dean's stupid for finding things. This one, it's like, that too it's everybody who every single person we saw use these things in any proactive way was immediately voted out for doing it i think the one standing 
salvo for this is Michelle. Like, Michelle did kind of spend her tokens on a stupid... Tony. Uh, Tony as well, yes. Uh, she spent them on a stupid advantage, but it worked out for her, kind of. Like, I mean, she negated two votes. She wasn't going home anyway. Like, calm down, Michelle. Um, and then she got to say how they were priceless because of what they meant. Not because of their actual value, but, like, they meant that people who were being voted out of the game supported her in some way. So oh, yeah. I, I think that sort of ties into the sub-theme we've sort of seen where maybe it's just not the actual outright value of these tokens, but, like, what they mean socially. Like, Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But even, even Michelle and Tony, right? It's like they bought yeah. something. Like, that was yeah. offered to them. I think that is different. Like, I mean, I guess Tony had... He, he got extorted... I think that's different, but it showed off his social game. Nick, I guess in a way you could say that too, but Nick is kind of the weird exception where he kind of accomplished the goal that Michelle and Tony got shown positively for and it wildly backfired. But Yule and Sandra are the two I'm thinking of that oh, yeah. they tried to, and Wendell, they tried to get fire token and with Wendell, it doesn't seem like that's why he got voted out, but it was shown as why, he, you know what I mean? Like why he lost all credibility. Like they were just eviscerated for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree Nick the that. same way. And then, yeah, you have Michelle and Tony weirdly sidestepping it. And Sarah kind of, I mean, she bought it a bit. Like, I don't think this tied into if they offered you a thing and you bought it. Okay, yeah. I mean, because like, what, like a third of the cast got that chance? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I think there was a distinction there. Um, like if you're proactively using a thing on something, it was bad. And I got to say, it was really funny. Like I, it clued into me around the immunity challenge that i'm like oh my god i know what's gonna happen like it just became so clear to me you know what i mean like like nick's gonna vote himself out with this and it actually worked better than i thought like where ben seemingly objectively was gonna win that challenge if he had 33 percent less because he was like right there at the end like you couldn't you couldn't yeah. make that better yeah um it's like I remember I was watching the episode and I'm just like, it, like the aha moment was actually very powerful. So like, it, like good job whole thing there. But yeah. It is wild that like the price is just like eight, <laughs> eight for a slight disadvantage in a challenges. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Nothing about that twist was right. <laughs> like you get two fire tokens for winning, but they're also done today. So like, that was enjoy, so weird. Enjoy your rice or something i don't know just take them okay just take them make, make a fancy necklace <laughs> right you're some craft supplies part of your i hope they just give them away next week too <laughs> just for hey these minutes. have no value not like they had them in the game anyway here you go or like one of the challenges is like okay dig through this pile of fire tokens to find the bag <laughs> of puzzle pieces <laughs> instead of sand Oh my god, that would be amazing. If they just went all in, like, they're so salty about it that no one bothered. That would, and we also never saw anyone refuse giving a token if asked. Like, that's another thing. Like, it was yeah. just always yes. It was weird this episode how, like, Nick's concern with buying this advantage was that he then wouldn't have enough to, like, play it off as though he still had some to buy stuff at the end. Like, the stuff off the regular menu. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, talking to Michelle, and he's like, well, I still need some in case we it ends today, and I need to, like, buy stuff off the menu, so. Yeah, like, in case I need to buy fishing gear or something, <laughs> just to fit in, like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's sad how, how 
bad these were because i was actually excited for these like this is the twist i was like you know what it's a good idea it was done so badly it was done so badly i'm glad that the edit kind of embraced it to be honest like you go survivor editors you realize what's wrong with your show it's not their fault (laughs) um cool and then obviously we have old school versus new school they're they're on the edge of extinction yep it was in the recap but i did want to bring it up because it's very interesting how the recap presented it we sort of saw it as like old school couldn't cut it like new school went out in the end um the recap sort of put it as old school wasn't like just playing old school wasn't going to do it like yeah like you needed something more so it almost wanted to blend like the two like we talked about early in the season how it's a blend of the two strategies like talking about how someone early on says that these new school people they don't have conversations like we do Buster Rob. That's Rob. um so and i got the sort of sense that going into this finale we want to think that the winner is someone who had both sets of qualities in some respect so like no that's prob- probably true like I-, I would not be surprised at all to hear specifically Boston rob be like hey um i don't think you guys got social game tell me something about the jurors like an old school player would or whatever. Like that seems very possible. Right. Right. Um, I, I'm sure, I mean, they're going to decide the winner Then I'm sure that's going to be made a big deal. Like, cause they're all in the jury. Like they have, they have the influence here. Um, maybe Joe, what do you think about this theory? Old school players vote for one of the finalists. New school players vote for the other. Maybe. I think that's very possible. It might be too cute. Valuing different things. Yeah, like, I think that's very possible. Or even, maybe if it's not a clean vote, but you know what I mean? Like, it's... Because we have seen that kind of weird stuff in the past, right? Where, um, for example, Dominic and Wendell. Dominic gets the first five jurors. Wendell gets the last five jurors. Um, like, you have seen those clean clean uh, cuts before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that would just be this, but under a different name. You know what I mean? Like... The first eight jurors or whatever all vote one way, and the last eight jurors or whatever vote the other way. It just so happens that that's uh, old school, new school, plus Natalie. Maybe. Who knows? Right? So, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a possibility, and it actually make a lot of sense. E- even if it's just the, that's the how they're steering the conversation. is like mm-hmm. Adam's being annoying on the jury and asking, like, what's your game philosophy? And Boston Rob's like, no, like, who you connect with? And it'd be like that way, you know? And I guess that's probably good for the stories, right? Like, right. ultimately, it's a story about how, in my opinion, it's like, you use what you were in the past, whether that be as a new school or an old school player, bringing something new to the table, being able to adapt, uh, maybe definitely use shields uh, to protect yourself and make sure that whatever path of the game it is benefits you. I think a lot of it has been about patience and how it's important to make your move, but make it at a time that's most advantageous to you. And along the way, use things, whether it's fire tokens, building things or whatever, as a way to connect and solidify relationships without letting it override how you play the game. Yeah, as a supplement, not a replacement. Yeah, and I think that's pretty much what it's saying about a good play and how um, you can mask the way that you deceive people. I think this has a lot been about social manipulation specifically. Uh, this week we see Sarah just like Jedi mind trick Ben, right? Like we saw uh, Boston Rob do that in the in the premiere. The ability to just so- show socially manipulate people to bend to your will was really highlighted in this season more than other ones. Mm-hmm. So that's the stories. And gonna, that brings it. Oh. <laughs> oh, you go. Oh, I was just going to say we're going to swap it up for this penultimate step. Uh, 
Um, we're going to start with Koru and then go to the edge of extinction, much like the episode kind of did. Just yeah, we're following I, the episode's lead. Yeah, I kind of think it makes sense to sort of consider their attorney at the end and talk about these these people here at the beginning. So These people who don't matter. Yeah, well. Look at you not getting voted out. What's <laughs> your fire token count, Ben, huh? What have you even done? Like how, yeah. How many escape rooms have you solved, Benjamin? <laughs> I can't wait for that to be a jury <laughs> question. Hmm. Anyway, speaking Benjamin, of which, very Bergen. Yeah, um, poor guy. Yeah, really, really crashed and burned here at the end. We've been on a journey with him. We thought, oh, he's a big character. Like he's making mistakes, but he's confronting them. And he's just kind of making mistakes. He's kind of just making mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and. Not even really realizing their mistakes. Yeah. I mean, at this point, to me, it's clear that poor Ben took too much of the internet's uh, critique of his game seriously. Like, if Ben was less of a super fan, because, like, we, I think we all know, like, he goes on Rob has a podcast, he has watched all the seasons, like, shocking level of super fan from Ben. I think if he just cared less about, um, like, the internet survivor community, I think he plays a lot better. Because I think his critical error here is his criticism was always he didn't play a social game. I don't think in Modern Survivor that's as important as it used to be. Because, yeah, Ben didn't have a social game in uh, Triple H. But he just barreled his way to the end and won because he was more intense than everybody else. And you couldn't help but respect it. This one, he's as you said, he's playing a game of trust. He's shocked that he has allies and he's so heartwarmed. Ben is clearly trying to play a social game. He's just not very good at it. If he played a social game in Triple H, he probably doesn't have a million dollars. Yeah. In the same way, he's probably not going to get two million dollars this time. Yeah, you see why he steamrolled? Because, like, it always put him in the driver's seat, even if he was, like, driving into the other people on his tribe. Here, he's just been second like so many times like it's given him no agency yeah like he like jeremy got voted out and it really wasn't like his move like it just sort of happened yeah like a hundred percent like this is one of those things like you hear a lot like you can only play to yourself and ben's an intense person he has to play that way or else you get this and it's he's He's too intense to be playing a social game because he still annoys people, but he's not doing anything. So then he's nothing like he's just a he's kind of just a goat, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's just weird how he like just is so gosh, what do I want to say? Like such a goat yet somehow like they're all like we're all going to the end together. We're all equals like not really. I think that's the thing is Ben should have learned from his season that you kind of can treat people badly and they'll vote for you as long as you like don't cross a line. You know what I mean? Like, I think most of the time, if you look at like final tribal council votes, sure. The ones that people bring up like Russell and Natalie White and Russell and whoever he's in the end with. Yeah, sure. He doesn't win those votes. But most of the time, the most intense person does win these final tribal council votes. Mm-hmm. Like, Mike Holloway did not have a better social game than uh, Carolyn. Uh, ben did not have a better social game than Chris or Ryan. Like most winners don't necessarily have the best social game. They're usually the most intense slash overtly charismatic person there. Ben should have learned he can get away with a lot and still win. He shouldn't have learned, oh, the internet hates me. So I'm going to play to my alliance because that's what 
good players do. Yeah. Like, he has a different kind of luxury than some people, and he's just not using it at all. Yeah, it was like he, I don't know, maybe he didn't actually want to do this, but it feels like he wanted to appease the internet as opposed to use the strategy that won the game for him once. Yeah. It's like, um... I mean, I would kind of get it, but you've also talked about how rough a financial situation you might be in. So I do wonder how much of the beginning of the game affected this, like butting up against Rob, like straight away and sort of being put in your place like that maybe. Oh, yeah. Tempered him a bit at the beginning and he never recovered. So very possible, right? Like, I mean, it'd be hard to just but I mean, from his eyes, like he felt oppressed by Boston Rob and then he got rid of him. And mm-hmm. assuming you follow like everyone's the protagonist in their own eyes theory kind of thing. Theoretically he thinks he did that, right? Like, but yeah, I see what you mean. Like I do think it's the same way that if like you get a new job, you just view your managers kind of like like they have power over you and you view them in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like they have they are they are more than you. And so you talk different like I don't know. I feel like I usually see people interact with their managers differently than they interact with anybody else. Maybe Ben feels like an employee, like the new hired guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, no, his his story I think at this point is that like too many mistakes. He made one too many mistakes and he couldn't recover. Or just yeah, just like second place at best, like two people in the game, like not second place in the votes, but like just always second in command, I guess. And yeah, mistakes and weird vendettas against Jeremy and yeah. Adam. Yeah, it's like really like if you're that kind of person, like you like I felt so like you just know Ben so sad that he's not like like shaking a tree to yell at Adam and like Ben bomb him out and stuff like that. Like you see him biting his tongue. But as Jeremy said, his eyes are ferocious. Like you can just see what Ben's thinking on his face. Mm -hmm. So Biting his tongue does nothing. Jeremy's still like, this guy hates me. Even if Ben's not saying anything bad. Right. Instead, he really, like, I think Jeremy goes to the jury and likes Ben. If Ben's like, screw you, dude, I'm coming for you. Like, I'm gonna idle you out. And then, like, mocks him on the way out. Like, I honestly think he looks better to Jeremy than he does biting his tongue really awkwardly as he leaves. Sort of just, like, edging around it as opposed to yeah. being up front. Because as long as, as, again, as long as you don't actually hurt people, you can actually get away with a lot of that kind of stuff in a social manipulation game, I think. That said, I do think one interesting thing with Ben at this point is very clear he did inherit Adam's edit. Like, I think when Adam left, uh, Ben became more childlike and more, like, those features exaggerated more. I actually think that's a pretty fun story they gave him. I agree. It's very likely he's a losing finalist. Like, number one on the board, I think. That said, I do think there is a chance he leaves before that just because of that weird line about him making fire. Like, ooh, remember, he made fire in his last season. You don't want him still here, right? Yeah. Well, hmm, I feel like the fear was that you would be making fire against him. So it's like, I don't know, is your play at five really going to be get someone out who you might lose fire against or get like the underdog out that's that's like another reason why this game's so stupid now where you could (laughs) the like last season right we saw janet voted out at five why because she can make fire and she's gonna beat everybody at the end right yeah because she was but now yeah she's both but now if you're really thinking about it even if you're not scared of them beating you in the end. You still want to vote them out before that because you, if you don't win immunity, even if you have three people, right? If you're in a three person alliance, the goat can still kick you out if they're good at fire. Yeah. Like if Ben's a goat and he's getting no votes against anybody and you're anybody in this game and you're like, well, Ben 
shoots fire out of his face. How could I like he's literally the human torch or whatever, and he's going to lose against anybody. It completely changes your incentives of how to view the game because you now have to vote out the guy that's not going to beat anybody in the end, your goat. Why? Because he could just accidentally take you out of the game. Like he's an exploding goat. It's not good. And then the goat gets get everywhere. Um, I don't know. I just, to me, like that's another reason these things have been bad. Like every other time the boots have for fire making have been, they're going to win the game because of like, they get another chance. But this episode made me open my eyes to like, oh, even if they aren't going to win, you have to vote them out. Yeah, I think this season with you have the returnee and Michelle taking up six and five at best. And I think even if for some reason it all flips on its head, I don't think Ben is the target there. So unless he goes at five after that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see I could see him leaving at five. He can't, I, I feel like this episode, unless the stories have the winner, somehow conquers Ben, which I just don't think is what they're <laughs> setting up here. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he's second or third, like he's a losing finalist, or he's fifth. I think he's definitely third, like zero place third, or zero votes third. Zero, zero place? <laughs> <So> ben super <laughs> wins. Ben places jury vote nullifier. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually they they scrap the jury and it's just a fire making challenge <laughs> that's what the fire token on the necklace is is the secret all along <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah i feel like third or fifth to me is is where he's placing it's just mm-hmm. like i because i just i'll never get out of my head that they tell like they literally telegraphed every single boot last season like they were literally like <laughs> janet has to go at five. Ooh, lauren's not good at making fire mm. Tommy, Dean, and Nora, that's a final three. Like, they literally <laughs> did that um, in yeah. the episode before. If they're throwing in this, oh, Ben's really good at fire, I think Survivor's gotten a little bit, um, how do I put it, more simple recently. Like, I think they're way more direct than they used to be. And they definitely did not used to do stuff like that before. Yeah. If there's any indication of stuff like that in this, Ben is coming fifth. Right. Or is the winner by winning fire, which seems impossible to me like i don't know is that good on ben i think so i really like him i'm i i think he's brought a lot to the season in terms of a character i mentioned that a lot um i think he's so funny like i think he's just like a one-of-a-kind person in that he's just like so intense about everything that it makes him funny like he's the like you often hear about how like serious is funny and funny is stupid and ben is so serious he's freaking hilarious to me he's also like pretty witty as well like I, I like his confessionals and stuff i feel like he carries his like serious with like like a very jovial voice and like a sparkle in his eye and yeah makes it good so yeah he's like santa claus he's great mm-hmm. i really like him like this season like if i mean since this he's not gonna win so we're not gonna be hyping up next up next week um like it's maybe a lot higher on ben to be honest like i always kind of said like i think ben's win is bad but he's probably a pretty good player and i think i I think like in a good character for sure like an amazing character i think i stand by that at the end of this whole thing like it's he's joining the club of um like people who've won the game and also placed in the top six afterwards that's a pretty elite club um gotta give him some kudos for that i think i don't know i think i've tempered on ben the last few episodes but there have definitely been good episodes good moments earlier on that I enjoyed from him. I do think, I think he is capable of making the end game every time. I just don't know if he's figured out how to win the game yet, honestly. I mean, obviously he did, but it was 
no i think that's messy, a good point yeah it's a very messy win and then this one is like he doesn't know honestly like where to make moves and build a resume in the right way no 100 percent. like last time he burned too bright like he did not manage his threat level in most seasons where he does not find three idols and then a fire making challenge he leaves in the end game as a dominant player that just like was too big of a threat like bad threat management in that level of like a christian or something like that yeah but in this one it's the opposite he overcorrected he's not a threat Mm -hmm. um so just to me it's like one problem it's just over two seasons one he was too threatening and happened to win this one not threatening enough probably gets a hundred thousand bucks or whatever ben might join the uh elusive like the elite club of day 39 average or 39 day average i think say like an elite club of like winning one season and becoming a zero so finalist in the next like what dan like uh oh a zero is there anyone like that i don't think so i'm trying to think off the top of my head well because like there's like, been so few opportunities for winners to even make the end yeah so like, like the only winner to lose in the end as of right now is poverty right yeah yeah i mean we're gonna get two this time Ooh. that's kind of wild yeah but yeah that's good for ben Let's move here to the Queen Slayer herself. Queen Slayer. Denise. I honestly got to say, like, I love Denise. I always had her at one of my favorite winners. Like, one of the most... I always had her as one of the better winners. (sighs) Joe, this season's, like you just said for Ben, it has made me way lower on Denise as a player. And that makes me really sad. Yeah. Like, Denise as a character is, like, right up my alley. Like, kind of subtle, but snarky and fun. Um, uh, I don't know what she's doing gameplay wise here. And I just don't know. I feel like the feeling I get is she never was really set up to play the kind of game an all winter season in this era needs, you know, like Denise's Philippines win doesn't win this season. Yeah. Like, yeah. She loses probably. in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing here is like Denise didn't adapt at all. Nope. Like she may have taken Sandra out, but like it was honestly for survival. Like she still need to vote someone out. <laughs> like, And like, honestly, it was San- like, I love Denise. I would love to say, wow. Like, I love that. So many people are like Denise queen slayer. Like she killed it. Like Denise got given a situation on a silver platter and said yes. Like I, I don't know how much you can attribute that to Denise as much as it was Sandra out playing herself out. Like sure, it's probably in the middle. I feel like it was probably sixty Sandra playing herself out. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know, like stuff like I want to give her a pass for like maybe it being about fire tokens or the edge returnee, but I just really genuinely from the bottom of my heart can't understand why you would not force rocks or a tie or try to flip it. Why is she just okay with fourth? Like, even if like, cause again, another caveat I said earlier was the final four fire fire making makes it so that like, you don't have to turn on your four personal lines. You can be number four and that be a fine spot. Cause you just win fire. But one, like I think Denise's chances of winning fire there against Ben seems low. Because that would be one outcome is Tony brings Sarah or vice versa. And then you're facing Ben. Seems terrible. Alternatively, can she beat Tony or Sarah? Probably not. In unless, fire? No, in the end. Oh, yeah. Like, she's like last in that group of four. So. Unless uh, unless that's the thing that we find out postseason. That Denise was actually the biggest jury threat or something. That's the only world where it makes sense to do that. 
But even then, flipping probably makes more sense. Yeah. Like, and sure, I mean, there's a chance you leave in rocks, but, like, like I, I just, I don't know how else you win. Like, if you're trying to win, I don't think she has another path other than vote with Nick and Michelle. Sure. And episode 12 had that bizarre, like, aside where it's like, Nick, Denise, and Michelle have a final three, and it just goes absolutely nowhere. Yeah. It's like, they had that final three with, like, Kim existing, <laughs> and then once Kim stopped existing, they were like, well, this didn't work. Kim was the glue to that final three that she wasn't in. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's wild. I mean, Nick's out, and now Denise and Michelle will never vote with one another, so. Yeah, and there's probably so many situations around here where, to me, it's like, Denise is probably... Like, why did she not fight to save Adam? Like, I thought it was kind of fun in the moment when she's like, I made a day one alliance, not a day 39 alliance. But like, now you're in the final six with no allies, Denise. Um, she has three allies, but... <laughs> she has three allies, they just don't want her there. Yeah, um, it's... And I've never been, like, Denise strong winners at it, like, perfect. I think it's either something absolutely bizarre, where, like, she wins against, like... Michelle in a week returnee or Ben in a week returnee like very very slim chance or she goes out pre final tribal council yeah I, I'm gonna like the, she's the biggest shock to me is that she's still here yeah because all season we've been piping the theory that like I don't know she leaves sometime before the finale and uh, an editor just really likes her and wanted to give her the do I mean no she got good at it because she makes final six like she makes the finale like yeah I would not have at all expected her to make it this far. Like she really didn't have a story after Sandra left and And didn't even have a story before Sandra left. Well, she did have for like two episodes, she had the big threats in small places theme and like story going on that was completely dropped and never mentioned again. In episode one, you did have her and Adam against the world because she played herself to the bottom. You had her reflecting on Matt Singh. And how she's a survivor and she'll just do anything she can to survive. That's still here. It just is about how she's not trying to win, unfortunately. Like, I don't know. And like, even in this episode, we saw her like laying down on a rock and someone say like, yeah, she just checked out of the game. Like, <laughs> that's really sad to see. She She's one of the ones that gave up for food, right? No, she got the immunity. Never yeah. Mind. Never mind. So good job on that anyway staying on i feel like that would have been the um thing that broke the camel's back if for like denise i feel like denise could have really gotten hatred if she did that and then this week had the same content i mean i did hear rumblings that she was apparently racist because of what she did to jeremy last episode like no that's just denise like yeah i think denise just yeah like i don't think she loves the strategy of the game that much yeah like again like flashback to philippines she was perfectly fine bringing malcolm to the end as far as we saw in the episode anyway right like mm-hmm. she's like wait what malcolm's coming after me no way i guess we'll vote him like it worked because they wanted they didn't want to go to the end of malcolm but like nearly is a really goofy looking losing finalist to malcolm yeah but yeah i don't know this made me and i do like that they draw or, sorry drew the parallel between her and sandra like it's the same thing right it's Survive at all costs. Don't care who goes. If you have control, use it. If you don't, play dead. Work for the two of them. And I mean, Sandra was a two-time winner. Maybe he didn't yeah. do it. Yeah, as somebody who just is all about agency and like that's how I view the game is like I I think the best winners are the ones that exerted the most agency. Because I think at a certain point, Survivor is a game of luck. And sometimes you're the lucky winner that just had no agency or whatever. I don't think that puts you above a loser that had a lot of agency 
that could have won, if that makes sense. Well, I think that's where we start to disagree on things. It's like, yeah, I get agency, but I think if you win, you win. Hi, I'm Boston Rob. Okay, Boston. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> like, to me, Sari Fields is a better player than Sandra. And like, that's something that I know is not a popular opinion, probably. But I just think that if you're in that many situations where you win, if you run simulations on most of those seasons, Sari wins more times than Sandra does, probably. That's just my take on that. Is that good for Denise? Yeah, that's probably good for Denise. I mean, where do we think she's going? Like, she's not a losing finalist, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, she's either a bizarre, bizarre winner or, like, fourth place. She could be a losing finalist. If you flash back to, like, you had stuff like Jeremy say, like, Tony thinks Denise is the biggest threat in the game, but she's not. It's him at that, like, right after the Sandra tribal. Mm -hmm. Like, like maybe losing finalist, but I'd put low odds on that. Mm Mm-hmm. It just like there's a chance that's the story or whatever. It's like, yeah, Jeremy wants to bring Denise to the end or something. I don't know. I guess maybe she's fifth place if like the whoever's left of Michelle or the returnee like wins immunity there. I think there's a like. I mean, what do you think is the possibility of like extinction returnee like extinction returnee coming in and flipping the game state? Because I think that's possible. I also think, I think, I mean, spoiler alert for who I think is going to come back from Edge. I think there will be an idol on that person. And so I don't think the booth's going to be that straightforward at six. That's fair. It's going to be whoever they want out is going home. Like, I don't, and also there's two other idols in the game. So Mm -hmm. I think somebody could get screwed there. It could be Denise. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Like three idols get played, Ben, Tony, Returnee, Denise somehow goes home with like one vote or whatever. Or gets serried. Oh no, she can't. That's not quite possible. Not quite possible. I mean, oh yeah, no, because we know fire tokens are over, so they couldn't even buy something. Yeah. Yeah, so more more than likely anyway. Uh I think everybody but two people are immune there. Mm -hmm. And that would be Michelle and Oh no. Whoever doesn't win the challenge and then two people. But yeah, that's I I, I'll I'll place her at sixth. Mm. Which brings us to Michelle. Yeah, speaking of agency. Speaking of agency. <laughs> um, so I think we're very different on these episodes. Well, this episode. I think this was a stellar episode for Michelle. Like, and she's uh, she's so weird. Like, there's something just so bizarre about how she is never on the right side of the vote, never a focus because of that, but then always gets to explain what happened um yeah and it's like come to a head here where now she's like target number one despite not being a threat at the same time like she's the only one who's seeing past like what's going on it's a bizarre edit i don't know what to make of it i i just i wish i could see what you're seeing like well i saw a burial like a straight up burial of any respect you should have for michelle as a player like this felt mean to me like this episode felt mean-spirited you've described this to me but run me past like how you feel about michelle talking to sarah like they were making fun of her like i i mean to caveat what i'm saying i do the episode portrayed her as an underdog obviously as a person and like a quirky rootable queen and all that kind of stuff like that's very intentional but like her going and giving the worst plea ever to sarah and then sarah be like oh that's not how it is michelle and then walk over to every other player in the game and be like yeah she's trying like it's not working and they all laugh at her like i think the people 
like, and this makes me so sad. And this is what my main takeaway of last week would have been as well to include both of these. This season, just like I said with Denise, but honestly, more so. Like, I, I still think Denise is a good player and all that kind of stuff. And not that Michelle's bad. But this was definitely her chance to, like, prove the criticisms wrong. And I genuinely think she failed to do that in this season. And it makes me really sad because I've really loved her for a long time. Like, she's so funny on Twitter. Um, Like, she's so charming as a person. She's so likable. But, like, this is two seasons in a row where she just hasn't quite got it. Hasn't quite, like, nailed the strategic game at all. This time, she's clearly not even playing that well socially. They don't like her. All the shots you see are her alone and them all bonding together and laughing at her. I I think everyone who did like her is out, though. Like, she got a lot of fire tokens that way. That's true. That is true. I think she's just at a point where, like, nobody does like her. But I, I feel like when Sarah goes, like... Sarah is Michelle is telling her what she needs to know and Sarah's just not listening. Yeah. Like do you I mean think I think it's edited that way for drama, like for sure. Are we being told that Michelle is seeing it wrong or Michelle is not seeing it correctly? No, I think I think Michelle I think we're being shown Michelle sees it correctly and either waited too late or d- oddly enough doesn't have the social capital to do it as I mean as weird as it would be that like you know like the story of Michelle's always been social game right like I think she has no social capital at all I think that's what we're seeing like maybe she has the right reads but I mean who cares if you can't do anything with them like she could barely get Nick on her side and for me like there's other things too like things that came out in this episode so last week she gives up the thing to Jeremy still votes him and then gets it back but then we hear that everybody knew about the coin beforehand and it was just a public thing that everybody knew was michelle's so she had that public coin for what four votes or whatever and everybody knew about it because they knew it was michelle's coin not jeremy's stuff like that is inexplainable to me like why you get no credit at all for voting jeremy if they know it's yours and he plays it and saves himself right say that on twitter and i don't get it because i think so i mean like if you're trying to save jeremy especially when at least how the episode showed it you're the swing vote voting him does not save him the positive view of it would be she's jury pandering or something like that right but she's trying to look like do it without getting blood on her hands but they know it's her coin that's saving him if it that's like if her plan works and Jeremy gets saved by her coin. They all knew it was hers anyway. And she still gets some blood on her hands or whatever. Because they clearly knew about it beforehand. Like that was public info that it was Michelle had a 50-50 coin. You know? Like if Jeremy just played so. an idol there. I get what you're saying. Like sure she's hiding. But she wasn't hiding here because they knew. Well but maybe she didn't know that. Like she didn't know that, that I guess yeah knew. that's possible. So That is possible. That is the one I guess weird situation. But even then like why vote him? It's really not that important. I don't know. To me, there's a bunch of stuff like that just on like how she's playing. That's really hard to get behind. Um, I don't know. I like I really want to like Michelle, like uh, like my girlfriend is like a huge Michelle Stan uh, and like just wants her to win so bad. And like, like I like I'm the same way. Like, that's my favorite kind of survivor player is the, like, I'll do anything like Sierra Easton. Like, I'm the only one willing to throw things at the wall. Michelle says in this episode, like, I know I got my eye on Tony. Um, I'm willing to do whatever. I've got nothing to lose. And she's like screaming and having a time when she wins the immunity challenge. That's like my dream character. And I really can't respect the way she's playing because I don't think she's playing really well. And I think her edit's bad. Uh, Bunch of problems. I think she might not be playing the best. Like, I'll concede that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I don't know if the edit is against her. Like, that's where it sort of stops for me. 
is like it's not perfect. Like I think they could do a better job of like being in favor of Michelle, but they're also like the worst thing they did was having Tony almost sort of call her a goat. And like I said, that's like up in the air. No, he called her worse than a goat. But like, how is that supposed to be perceived? That's I mean, I think Tony's been a reliable narrator in this season. Like, I think we're supposed to see Michelle as a rootable and she's going to try to prove them wrong, but they see her as a complete joke who doesn't deserve to be there. And her story is... She proves she deserves to be there. That's it. Like, she deserves to get through the casting room door on day 39, but not win. It's just not that concrete for me. I feel like it still makes a lot of sense where Michelle emerges from this and proves that she did deserve it all along. And, like, she has those early social relationships to back it up on. Hmm. Like, plus, like, the underdog strength of a Ben or a, like, Mike in these latter days. I just think, but, like... Mike and Ben, it's like the story of that is they were so good at the game before they became the threat that, sure, both of them get voted out if not for a miracle, multiple miracles or whatever. But like like part of that story was how dominant they were before the moment they weren't. And at no point would you describe Michelle's game here as dominant or in control or like you know what i mean like i think that's a pretty no. crucial ingredient to that kind of play yeah i think it's more the underdogness it's dean it. she's dean i don't see her as a dean though i feel like she's slightly more visible dean throughout the season like i feel like she has more legs than dean i mean dean came second more legs like just edit wise not like yeah no I, I i agree i agree i agree i, I think that's, it's very easy she goes out six um yeah i think six makes sense i think losing finalists is possible i think fire maker loser is possible i, I think, think losing, honestly everything but winner losing finalists to not sarah tony like i don't see her there with those two like, yeah I'm, i don't really either to be honest but um, like joe do you see her getting jury votes against any of these people yeah huh like ben and denise she could be easy i think i maybe not zero but like i think low below two vote finalist against any of these people is michelle's spot and like i i don't know if she deserves to be below ben but i think she might be below ben in terms of how these people see her but it's probably close between those two we'll see i guess yeah we will see i mean um, yeah there's a little bit of like i love michelle so there's a little bit of bias there but i also think i'm honestly at such a point of like i have no clue who's winning this that like this is me entertaining the michelle direction as opposed to like like hardcore like i will say i for this last episode i actually did like percentages of how much i think everyone can win and michelle at a solid 17 percent <laughs> okay so it's yeah she's not like a but like the highest person has 18 percent so oh like, weird okay it's like i'll do i'll do percentages too yeah, yeah michelle's a solid one for me really like okay but what do you have like uh who's the lowest person in the game like wendell do you oh zero okay i give them one percent because like anything can happen but uh, for me there's some on edge that are one some that are like five some that are zero mm -hmm. like if i'm giving everybody at least like 0.1 or whatever like whatever rounding down to zero sure. um but yeah no to me uh, michelle's like man I, I i'm like part of my gut is like scared to say that but like genuinely my heart of hearts i do not see her winning this game um i feel like it would be just doing it for the sake of not being wrong to put her on any list for me you know what i mean sure um Additionally, I do think, and I don't know how you feel about this. To me, Michelle's story is very likely in this 
finale to follow Dean's. I don't think that means she's coming as a losing finalist, but I think she'll at least upset the plans of Tony and Sarah at least once in this finale. Like she'll align with the edge returnee for sure. And then I don't know, maybe win an immunity or something. Like, I think that's in play. It's just maybe an immunity run, like two immunity wins and then fire making loser stuff like that makes sense to me. Upsetting their plans once like drastically shifts how this end game plays out. Like, you know, like, yeah, even if one of Tony, Sarah, Ben is not there, like everything sort of has to fall into place and it's weird. So that's the thing for me is like, I I, I don't think she'd come sixth, to be honest, because I think so much of her story has just been defying expectations. Mm-hmm. And right now her expectations, if she were to come sixth, it's. I feel like a level of burial they would not do. Like, I just, I really don't think they would be this awful. Because I know you read it differently, but I really think that this episode was Michelle's an embarrassment. Like, I'm not saying she's an embarrassment. I'm saying this episode was saying that. Like, he literally said, like, in most seasons, I'd drag her as a goat. This one, I don't think she deserves it. Like, that line is so cutting. It is so cutting. Um, I think that means there's more to the story. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the easy answer to that would be she wins. I think that's wrong. I think she disturbs their power. Probably by just flipping to the edge returnee, to be honest. Like, or winning immunity or something. Like, that's how I see this going. It's just, she's the troublemaker in the end. Like, she's the agent of chaos. That doesn't mean she wins. And yeah, I do think sixth place feels wrong. Whether that means it's just revolving door for the returnee and then she goes up fifth. I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing that's hard. Like... To me, my money would be on fire making loser. Um, yeah, well, I have I have a take that I'm gonna get to in a bit, but like, if that's wrong, it's Michelle. Okay, cool, good for Michelle. Good for Michelle. Will she get another guitar backed hype sequence? Probably. I hope so. Yeah, I say yes. That's that scene, that last pre merge scene. You know what? one I'm thinking of everybody, the one with the winter song playing over her confessional. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be her content in this finale, I think. It's going to be like, they think I'm so dumb. Wait till you get a load of this. And I don't know. She gets like a super idol nullifier or something like that. That's how I think it's going to be is like, look at chaos, Michelle. And then she is the fallen angel or whatever. Like, that's what I think. Like the Rick Devins, but just in this episode. So the Dean, mm-hmm. okay. that's my take there. She was Let's singing move. song the whole time. It was yeah. Her. Yeah. I mean, I hope she, she's going to give her like, like a happy dance, just like she did in this episode multiple times. Like she'll make it there. I don't think she'll be a losing finalist. I think fifth or fourth makes more sense, but mm-hmm. yeah, that brings us to Sarah who mm-hmm. at one point was my number one is my number two, but like I'm starting to not feel as great about it. Yeah. I don't feel as great. Like she's fifth for me. <laughs> yeah. This was a bad episode for her. Um, and last last week was good. To me, both these episodes were examples of how great Sarah is as a player, I think. Like, but yeah. yeah, at this point, the story is that Tony beats her. And That's what it seems like. It's like Yeah. But then there's also all these inklings of like Sarah made friends and Ben loves Sarah. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like is it just like she has a social game, but it's not enough to beat Tony or it's a it's what breaks the tie or it's already more. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I can't remember if I said this yet, but my theory here in this episode, we have Sarah and Tony reminiscing and they're like, oh, man, 
I beat you once, you beat me once. And then Tony says tiebreaker. And what I find actually kind of interesting about Modern Survivor is that there's two opportunities for a tiebreaker here in the finale. You have obviously the fire making challenge. That's what most people think of as a tiebreaker. I think it's ridiculously in the realm of possibility that Sarah and Tony tie in the end, like the jury vote, and Ben breaks the tie. In that world, I think Sarah wins Mm -hmm. in most other worlds or they're fire making against each other. And then in that case, it's whoever wins wins. And then that would make sense for a Sarah win. If she beats him in fire goes on to whoever's in the end and wins like that seems possible to me. Sarah winning at this point does require her beating him in a tiebreaker. If it's because I, I really just don't see this going any other way unless it's just edge of extinction return. He comes in and is like Tony and Sarah have to go. But I think that I think with the idol shenanigans happen there and like that just doesn't seem to be where this is going. I think it will be Sarah beating him in a fi- in a in a tiebreaker it requires her win. Whereas I think Tony could maybe win outside of that is kind of how I'm thinking right now. So you're saying like Tony's sort of paths are an outright majority of the votes or beating her at fire making. So that- I, I I mean no, I I think that's Tony's paths could be Sarah gets clocked at six. Tony wins all the challenges. Um right, okay. Tony plays an idol at six, beats Sarah at fire making, wins the game. Tony breaks the tie and wins the votes. Like, I, I do think that it's just more like, I see two paths for Sarah. It's the two tiebreakers. Every other path, I see Tony winning. Yeah, I was trying to figure out why you had Tony. Or, oops, I can't spoil. <laughs> I was going to spoil who your number one was, but I shan't say. Spoiler, it's Tony. Tony is my number <laughs> one. Because um, Joe just ruined it. But yeah, no, I, to me... Sarah, my take here, I think Sarah, like I said, might be the best survivor player of all time. I really think she's in that caliber anyway. Um, Like I said, I don't think I've seen anybody else dominate two seasons in a way that she's been able to. This season feels like game changers in that way where you just don't know what's happening because they just all love Sarah. Um, And I, I do think like she got left out of the one vote of the Sophie, Sophie vote. Um, so like her game hasn't been perfect, but like she recovered perfectly. She's had more times to be vulnerable than Tony. She didn't find idol. She didn't like, she thought to split votes multiple times that would have got them in trouble. Like to me, Sarah has just constantly been shown to be absurdly adept at this game. And as, on just raw social manipulation alone, I think she is the best of all time on just that skill, getting Ben in this one to like, think it's his own idea. We saw that over and over again in Game Changers literally every round. Uh, we've seen it a number of times in this season. She's the one that like gets tasked to go do the social thing. Like That's her role in everything. Um, Kim not wanting to target her. I really think there's like she's not the most exciting person and people have problems with her personally. And that's what limits her from being really talked about in that same caliber as like, the greats. I think this season to me, without a shadow of a doubt, she's on that top echelon without like, 100%. I think maybe I don't remember it as well in, in Game Changers, but definitely in this season, I mean, this episode, there's just this like vacuum of like everyone else was a target to some extent except Sarah. Yep. And like, but just no explanation as to why either. And like we talked about, that's like Sarah's weird effect, but there is that. And I think that makes her very, very good this season. And I mean, we have to see what the actual narrative of the season is coming out of it but like her blind spot of tony or like rather saying like i can go up against these really big characters and still win but like not seeing how big a threat tony is has me kind of worried but still i mean just absolutely i mean she's here in the final five 
six, whatever you want to call this. And like, she got five votes from different people at the beginning of the game as like they wanted her out. Yeah. Like wild, like incredibly good. Yeah. Like she came in other than probably Boston Rob with the fewest amount of people wanting to work with her. Mm -hmm. Like she played a ridiculously dominant game in that season. Lots of people talking about it, having a lot of connections on the game, like with Tony and Sandra and stuff like that. And she's still there. She's still in a strong position. I feel like a lot of Tony's victories here, you can be like, well, he was immune. He had idol and kind of wash that over where Sarah didn't. It's pretty much a cut and dry survivor game. Right. Right. And I mean, Sarah did come in with the least amount of people wanting to work with her, and yet her game has been largely social. Social, yeah, like, absolutely social, almost. So yeah, like if you can make people who dislike you love you, that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's to me like Sarah's been a lot of fun. I actually like like fun Sarah. Like I I really like when they're like though. Also, it's like to me what's so weird is you're right. There is this story of her having a blind spot and. To me, I'm unclear whether it's like, but to her, she talks about how she's better than Tony. Mm -hmm. That's could be he just wipes her in the end. Or it could be she's right. And I really don't know which one it is, right? Like to me, I'm giving Sarah 30% of my win equity. Um, that's still a lot. I just maybe maybe more like 25. I'm gonna final answer 25. Very much when I was sort of grappling with this, like at least for me, it's amazing how bred the points are. Like even the people I feel most confident in don't crack 20%. So like it's a weird season. Oh, I'm I have one job. I mean, yeah, you have Tony way up there, but (laughs) I guess let me let me pretend I I get where you're coming from. (laughs) Um yeah, I, I don't know. It is something where, like, these last few episodes, despite her obviously playing well, doesn't feel like she's getting credit for it, and thus I have her lower. But then you talk about the tiebreaker and how she wins this game, and it's like, but it seems really apparent how she can do it, so I want to have her higher in my estimations. It's like, it's like a lava lamp of feelings for my Sarah winner chances. Yeah, I feel like if somehow the final three is ben tony sarah that sarah is the winner yes that well, seems really right to me tony could uh, yeah i feel i think i agree ultimately like that's i think that makes the most sense to me just because like then it is the season of how sarah bridged tony and ben and all that kind of stuff like then a lot of the narratives start to make sense mm-hmm. um especially if tyson's the returnee oh true then sarah has a lot of credibility there um and yeah that's the thing to me is i I, at this point i'm going with combos versus raw edit if that makes sense i'm like okay these three together sarah wins those three together tony wins those three together edge of extinction attorney wins like that's how i'm (laughs) thinking about this and sarah has the second most probably involving a tiebreaker i i think we are gonna see i mean we're gonna see a tiebreaker that's a lame uh take because we know the fire making but well i think that's barely a tiebreaker but i get it like you know like they're not voting like it's i mean they're default voting each other oh whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it is it's pretty silly but yeah i don't know that's probably good for sarah because i feel like her and tony are so intertwined so my take on tony if sarah's 25 i think i'd give tony 65 that leaves me with 90 yeah that makes sense so yeah no i think i can't believe it but i think tony valkos is gonna have three million dollars of survivor winnings i really do think that's what we're gonna see um i think mostly in the fact that he can bend his way to the end he can like actually play well he actually has quite a few options here i think cops are us defines this season this is i know we didn't put it on our story season our stories of the season but i think there's a good argument that 
cops are us specifically and connected to it being blue collar is one of the stories of the season and but it's so tied to tony and sarah that like it sprawls out from there but like tony talked a couple weeks ago about how he wants the final four to be the marine the two cops and the firefighter i think that kind of sums up the season to be honest i know jeremy got clocked but i think that's what tony wanted i think he wanted the blue collar final four and i think so much of this season reads like it's from his perspective i as much as i love tony i think that probably is a reason why some things feel so weird weird and deflated is it's from his perspective and he had a weird perspective this season i don't know i i really think that i also think he's playing really well in a way that I would not have anticipated a Tony win being. Yeah, I guess I'll cut in here and say I think Tony is playing, like, by far the best game. Like, (gasps) you can... I know it's, like, a weird ending to this, but, like, I mean, he plays in a way that I hate because it's so, like, I can see where he is thinking and how he is thinking. Like, just in the way he interacts with people, it's just, like, everything is intentional and perfect, but seems so, like appropriate and like genuine and yeah it's a little aggressive and chaotic but it always works in his favor i don't know i hate it but yeah i would <laughs> say tony is playing the best game yeah i mean at this point with him being immune twice yeah like not immune twice like because that was ready to be my criticism right it was like okay well he's just gonna win all the challenges really like hmm. but no like and for a while, I was like, Tony's getting boring this season. But he got interesting again. Like, once he stopped talking about the lions and the hyenas, and he actually, like, branched out, he was a lot of fun. Um, Obviously, that episode where it was all Tony, the last one we covered, was awesome. That last week, he was so much fun. Like, he was just fun Tony again. And wanting to play hard. He, he made the, probably the biggest move of the season in taking out Sophie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, in hindsight, um, I don't think there's one that could happen. Like, with so much kerfuffle happening in final uh the finale i don't think a better move will get made mm-hmm. and yeah no i think i think that's probably a good case for tony like just a truly impressive uh like demonstration going on here in the game because it, it kind of shouldn't work and i think that's another problem they're having is in the same way that sarah and game change like i know i just said it about sarah but the reason it's hard to show is it's hard to understand why people will follow people Right. Like you want everybody to be thinking, creative people that consider all options, especially winners that we've been told do this, that would never be uh, someone side person, would never get the wool pulled over their eyes. What happens when they do? And it's more than just one person. So you can't just make them the goat. Like what happens when the cast gets their the wool pulled over their eyes? I think that's where you get Tony and Sarah's game. I think it's easy to tell a story of people who are making moves on their own and you have a lot of parties doing that but like what happens when a good number of those parties are not doing that and instead doing they're following and And they don't realize it not it's not even that they don't realize it it's just a much quieter thing it's a more like safe thing like you don't Mm -hmm. really need to detail why you're following someone like yeah, because like even if you think about confessionals, right? Like, people aren't going to be giving confessionals, like, right. yeah, whatever, I want Tony to win, I'm following him, I'm a dummy, ha ha ha. Well, that's, like, <laughs> that's also not what they would be saying in their mind, but like, but like, just like, this is the best way for me to get to the end. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to stick with this, this is my alliance, like, this is a boring thing to say, why would I say it in a confessional? Yeah, exactly, but, you're right, it, 
part of it comes down to like them being the protagonist, right? And mm-hmm. especially on a cast of winners, they're used to like the content they've seen of themselves on TV. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that's a factor, right? They've seen themselves how they look on TV. Is them for the most part describing who goes home and how much better they are than everybody else and some matter, right? Like whether it's meat shields and oh all these people are my dumb meat shields or Kim Spradlin, all my options because I have all the power. Mm -hmm. They're just used to seeing themselves portrayed as in control. So that's probably how they talk. Yeah. And then you get this really weird problem when you can't really air those confessionals of those people talking about them being in control when they're not. If somebody else is control and they're not over the top enough to be laugh at this guy who thinks he's in control, like Nick was this week. Oh, yeah. They're not going to be hoisted by their own petard. Like, yeah. Like, Nick gave the, I'm running the game more than I ever have in my entire life, mm-hmm. confessional. You were asking for it, buddy. But um, I'm sure he loved it. Like, he probably knew that I was making air. But, yeah. Yeah, like, that's the thing is, like, a lot of these people, their content makes no sense. That's we All season, we've been like, why is Jeremy's content so narratory with no substance because he's he knows what he looks like as a winner and that's how he talks and it just doesn't make sense if he's not in control the tone's off yeah yeah that definitely feels like part of it yeah it's probably a small part um but you see this in all the seasons where it's like two people just wreck shop on everybody like ghost island this is what the merge felt like right like we're just there's only two characters and you don't understand why everybody likes them and mm-hmm. why they're just following them and it hurts the season because it's hard for the audience who has all the perspectives to understand why someone would follow people that beat them. That's really hard to understand as an audience member. Yeah. Cause you're not there 24 hours a day getting manipulated. It's why I like a season like David versus Goliath works because you have a lot of people who aren't following. Yeah. Like- yeah. People play themselves out of that season, right? Like mm-hmm. not get tricked by some, like there's no master manipulator there. Or like they all think they're in control at one point. Like, and they kind of are. Aside from Allison, poor Allison, but like everyone else. Allison like, was in control at the um, welcome beach, never. and that's it. Oh, that's true. The welcome boat. No, the welcome beach. Okay, yeah, yeah. When she was like, "What do you mean I'm not a David? I've struggled." <laughs> that was when she was in control, and then that yes. it just made fun of her, and then never gave her anything again. I miss her, Queen. But yeah, like. Yeah. I, I, I think you're. I think you're 100 right. Is they they have a fundamental. I mean, and I think it's maybe not even that. It's there is a fundamental problem with how to edit that. Like it's kind of hard to show it in an interesting way, mm-hmm. especially if. And this is the one universe where that's why. This is why I don't have Tony hire a recent trend in the Survivor editors toolbox in their uh, utility belt has been the unmasking at the finale. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think this started with Ken McNichol in Millennials vs. Gen X. Came out a little bit early, but Ken in the finale was a different character than Ken the rest of the season. He literally just came off like so over the top negative in the finale, like just the worst person in the entire world that in before that, for the most part, he was pretty golden boy esque. Brad Culpepper is another good example of that. You go from Brad, the fun loving antique Monica's a neat lady guy to bullying Ty is how we are shown the episode. Like it's a complete character change in the finale. Tony is the top can- candidate for that. And that's why I don't have a higher win equity. Mm-hmm. I guess to sort of break into my thoughts on Tony, uh, I have him fourth. So above Sarah, but still below two mysterious people uh, other than Michelle. 
Um, I mean, I've been clear. I think there's something wrong with Tony's edit. It feels off. Last week uh, in the Edgex subreddit, a Skyclad Observer had a whole big post called Something Feels Off. And it talks all about um, how Tony is the main character, but it feels wrong, among other things. Um, And yeah, I think it's just that sense of Tony could have been this big uh, front character for all the season. And yeah, that makes sense in one respect, as though that's the winner you want for your all-winner season is someone who's like this. But I also think if your winner comes out of left field, like a Michelle, or like an Edge attorney, like having this big character in a Rick Devon style sort of helps the season along. It just yeah, feels I agree so, with that. It feels so much like that. And even through these episodes, there continue to be parts where... Tony is not always like backed up. And I know this is the doubt episode. Like if there's a time for doubt, it's here. But uh, like the second episode, he talks about wanting uh, Michelle out and Denise out and maybe Ben, but then Nick goes home. Like he talks about maybe Ben in the first episode and Jeremy is a number for him, but Jeremy goes home. Like he's losing his grip on the control. I mean, he votes right, obviously, but it's not always shown as him being right. Yeah. Um, There's just parts where it's like, I get why Tony would win this season. Like he is so out in front. Like, I think I would vote for Tony to win if he were there. (laughs) And you can't stand him. So (laughs) the season is just not selling the full bill that he is winning this season. And I think... My big feeling is that the season is not selling any of these five as a really good winner. So I think I'm tending to look elsewhere. And so, yeah, I'm more inclined to believe that it's an Edge of Extinction returning than I am Tony. I don't hate that thought process at all, to be honest with you. Like, it's dwelled on me a bunch. Honestly, probably some of this is just my hatred of Edge of Extinction. I don't think that's a secret. I think it's uh, like a disgrace to the game. I think it's beyond anything they've ever done. Um, if a Edge of Extinction returning wins, like, it would, I think, kill my enthusiasm for Survivor. Like, it's that level. But the signs are there, right? Like, we have things flash back to Amber uh, in episode two or what, like, a long time back being like, yeah, like, we're, Edge of Extinction is making us care for each other. Like, it's making us love each other more, want to cheer each other on. This episode ends with uh, Tyson being like, I've never in my life has something been so generous like there's a lot of stuff highlighting the camaraderie that gets built with the edge of extinction um that's a hundred percent part of this natalie even says normally I, I i had the instinct to go off on my own and uh look at this thing but i decided to share with the group stuff like that really makes me worried that edge of extinction attorney can win. um and you're also right that in that world we tend when they have a winner they don't like they always edit somebody else as deserving rob sesternino is like the og of that right like just jenna is the annoying girl and rob and like they show her wanting to quit she's middle of the road negative overall it's a very bizarre edit they never do again but rob gets i think the second most confessionals ever in that season he's just all over that season rick devins is another good example russell hance is obviously a good example um 
I guess the opportunity would be, is Tony secretly Russell Hans, not physically or whatever, but like, does he get to the end and they're just like, screw you, you suck. I don't think they would be. He hasn't really been shown that way. That's a possibility. Yeah, I feel like if Tony makes the end, probably winning, unless it's the Sarah tiebreaker. But but how do, like, I mean, how do you, where does he go out? Like fourth, fifth? I feel like... You don't think Tony's going to win one of these two challengers? I mean, he didn't win any in his original season. (laughs) Yeah, but this is clearly a more jacked Tony or something. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, like, uh, Michelle has powers. Uh, Denise can do it. Whoever returns from the edge, probably. They've been all snacking on peanut butter like crazy. True. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Like, I do think Tony could go out before the finale. Like, I think that's definitely a possibility. Before the final travel council. That's what, yeah, sorry, that's what. <laughs> From now on, if I say finale, I definitely mean final travel. Um, yeah, like, it's definitely possible. Like, I'm not d- discounting that as a realistic thing. It's just, I don't know. Like, I think for a lot of people, it's disappointing to think about. Like, yeah. I don't know, I've kind of danced around it, but the internet is, as much as they give guff for people being Sophie or Kim stands, like, the internet is 100% a Tony stand right now. Oh, yeah. Like, I cannot go an episode without being reminded that Tony has not gotten a single vote in this game. Like, good for you. Like, the only votes that matter are the ones that get you voted out. Yeah, can we lay to, like, as a Tony stand, <laughs> can we lay the rest? That's the most meaningless statistic in the entire world. No one cares. If you get, like... Majority minus one vote every tribal for the entire game. Like you're still in the same spot as somebody who got zero votes. Like sure, that's not a super likely scenario, but like it's so easy to get a vote. Yeah. Like Rita voted for Earl once, and now he doesn't have a quote unquote perfect game. Like yeah, which Jeff arbitrarily decided the definition of a perfect game. Like why is that a perfect <laughs> game? Like it's so bizarre. Like. If the goal is to get to the end and then get the most jury votes, like, I don't know. It's the same debate people have with, like, Brian Heideck, right? It's, like, bad winner because he only won by one jury vote. But it's, like, he was always getting those four jury votes. I don't know. I, I think if you were always getting them, you've secured your win. Yeah, I think... If you get ten jury votes, you don't get more money. Right. Like, Kim only got seven out of the nine votes. Like... A terrible I mean, winner. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are very, very excited to see Tony Vlacos potentially win be the second two-time winner and it would be pretty that, cool but like i don't know i think there are more options out there than than i guess like tony's like four point whatever nine on the <laughs> edge subreddit out of five would warrant no i think that's probably true like i don't think because like he could go out earlier i think it's super in the well impossibility he could be the fallen angel they've just the thing is is one they've recently not had that like the Fallen Angel recently has been the winner. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Rick Evans, except like notwithstanding, but I think that's exceptional circumstances. Um, for the most part, like our most visible truck person, like steamroller wins the game in the thirties. Like the one that you're like, mm, they're the distraction. They're the winner. Like almost every time. Um, I guess the one exception is Dominic, who's the closest to Tony. And in, in which case I think, yeah, like, Sarah's winning. Right. Like, that's yeah. that's the thing to me is it's like, Sarah could be the Wendell. That's possible. But then I still don't really see him leaving beforehand. They haven't really... When's the last time they've done, like, a fifth place really great player? Like, even Davey got, like... Janet Carvin is the greatest player of all time. But even she went, like, invisible right, after yeah, I got the merge. Um, let me think. 
Davy got like we always mentioned he was like a weird highlight reel of a character. Like yeah, fifth like, place doesn't feel. It feels very like. I guess he was sixth, but like Victoria, I, same thing. Like I don't. I guess for what role Tony is fulfilling, it feels like he to me is going to be the sort of trophy that whoever does win takes. Yeah, it's possible. So like, yeah, for Rick Devins, that was fire making loser. But I think yeah. he could go anywhere from sixth to fourth in that case. And then that's the thing is, I think if Tony's coming sixth or fifth, the Edge of Extinction Returning is winning. Sure. Maybe Sarah. But like, it, it just to me, that's what it would be is like Edge of Extinction Returning comes in. Tony gets Victoriaed, but he plays the idol, gets voted mm. out fifth, is the head on the pike kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's the way to justify Tony or like Edge of Extinction Attorney winning. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's a possibility. He's still my number one. I think he fits all the themes. The season's clearly from his perspective to me. The problem being that, yeah, he could easily, like, if someone's going to pass on a torch here, it's going to be Tony. Like, like whoever oh, kills not, him would yeah. win. Yeah, unless they themselves get taken out. But I don't think there's enough time for that. Because it's literally, there's two votes. There's six, five. Tony's immune for one of them. I think I, I have like a weird fan fiction where like the Edge of Extinction Attorney reveals to Sarah that Tony is the top threat. Sarah flips. And then they're, they reveal to everyone else that Sarah is the next biggest threat. And then it's like... Oh my god, it's like Ben, Edge of Extinction Attorney, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> ben, Denise, Michelle. That could be fun. But... No, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's probably good for Tony. Like, I, I think he straddled most of the themes in interesting ways. It's a lot of fun. I mean, um, definitely, as much as I dog on him and don't get him and don't want him to win at times, like, an interesting character. Definitely define the season very interestingly, edgic-wise. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love him. I've made that clear. At this point, I'm just, like... I, I he's the Tony I love again. He's like, but he even comes off like a better player in the season. Like just yeah. like in the on the beach. Like I've always loved Tony. His game in Kagyan's not that good in my opinion. Like it's okay. It relied on a bag of tricks, I think, which he has not had to rely on here. Yeah, like it, it, I mean, it relied on having to get voted out twice. Like sure, he, he played well additionally, but like mm -hmm. probably doesn't make it to the end if uh, if not. But um. Yeah, this one has just been really, really impressive. He mostly is taking... He's pretty much playing the Kageon game, though, minus that. Like, Sarah's his Trish. Oh, for sure. Like, that's 100%. Um, do you think there's a chance that's the same story? Like, it's just history repeats itself and Sarah gets Trished? Mm. That seems less likely to me. I just feel like it'd be weird, because I feel like Sarah would be very Trish in her jury speech, too. Although oh, yeah. I could, I could almost see it going actually bad for Tony this time. But then, like, who does it go good for? Ben? Like, Sarah's... Ben! <laughs> that Can you imagine sense. if Ben won? If Ben is the two-time winner? Mm. Like, imagine the internet. Imagine Reddit. Like, how do you even reconcile with that? Like, because there's so many people that are like, Sandra's the best because she won twice. Like, those people got to come out and support for Ben, too, right? Like... Yeah, they should. And they're probably not the same, like, demographic of Stan. So, like... No. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like my dad probably obnoxious if Ben wins. I don't know, but hmm. that's good for Tony. Let's move here to Kim. Robbed Queen. Robbed Queen. Um, I loved her this season. Like, yeah, I know kind of a boring character yet again, but I truly think Kim is just like fits right into what I want from Survivor, which I realize is not very interesting. But like, <laughs> it's like, like options, options, options. Competent, 
like kind of deadpan fun character. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. Like, I love Kim. I mean, some parts of this ep- of the season, I was like, uh. But I mean, she left the game trying to target Tony. If Tony wins, she looks pretty dang good, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it was her Troy Zan moment. Yeah, yeah, th- that's her island, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I guess in that case, she was speaking about Edge of Extinction, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, to me, honestly, Kim might be the person I. Like I just said, I, I lowered on a lot of people this season. Kim, I think I raced on. Overall, like in hindsight, many times I was like, mm, maybe the cast was just bad. Maybe like this was a roller coaster for me with Kim, my relationship to Kim. Um, at this point, I think Kim played a spectacular game this time that got cut by advantages and unlucky immunity wins. I think she, if we're going to do the dumb tribal council format, Got really outplayed in the outplay section of Survivor. But yeah, the other I, part she did really well at. I definitely felt like she had momentum going into that vote where she wanted to vote Tony out. Yeah. Like, she could have done it. And even then, from what it sounds like, it sounds like things flipped at the tribal where she got voted out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a really impressive thing. Like, again, like she assembles the same amount of troops as Tony and Sarah do. They just have, like, trinkets that negate her. And then she just never gets momentum again. Like she enters, no one wants to play with her. She builds to the point where she has just as many people as Tony and Sarah. Um, it just it doesn't go for her because Survivors at this point is just as much a game of chance as anything else. I mean, uh, it's you create a lot of your own chance, but sometimes you do, do just get unlucky. I do think Kim got unlucky in this season. Uh, I think she showed that she's able to play from the bottom, which yeah. has always been the thing that like Kim never faced adversity before the season. Turns out she handles it really well. In my opinion. Was so, so good. When she got voted out, she destroyed a final three that she wasn't in. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, screw you. I'm not even considering you anymore. <laughs> I would prefer to be number four, please. <laughs> yeah. Like Kim's power. Um, seeing her on edge was sad, to be honest. Like, it did feel weird to see Kim Spradlin on the edge of extinction. I do love how she tried to control Natalie's advantage. Yeah. Like, Natalie reads it and she's like, oh yeah, you could use that on Denise because she has a lot of fire tokens. And Natalie's like, okay, Kim. Okay. <laughs> we get it. You have options. There's lots of options there, Kim. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I don't think know. she's coming back. No, she's, she's a one percenter for me. Like, at the very bottom of the bottom. <laughs> she is uh, the 99%. No, she is uh, 0%. Um, no chance she's coming back. I would be, if she is, she's, I'll digress. She is one person who could come back and get immediately voted out. Sure. I I don't think that's going to happen though. Uh, for the most part, 0%. Mm-hmm. That brings us to Jeremy, the firefighter. Um, looking back, another person I've raised on. Jeremy really? did so good this season. He did okay, so good this sure. season. He should not have made it that far. That's true. Clearly he was like, I think he's the missing piece to understand a lot of what, like, when people are like, why aren't they targeting Tony and Sarah? I think the answer is because Jeremy was the bigger threat. I think they were, like, Tony and Sarah were, maybe had more agency, but Jeremy seemed to have a ton of agency as well. Um, Like Kim, at a certain point, he had the numbers, but he had relationships on both sides. Um, Seemed like he probably beats anybody in the end. Sometimes, like, honestly, Jeremy's the one that, like, in the same way that I don't hold it against Boston Rob for getting voted out pre-merge. Like, I don't really hold it against Jeremy for getting voted out here. Like, I think he ran out of real estate and there's just not much he could do. Right. I think Jeremy's a really good new example of why a good-looking magic bar doesn't necessarily mean you always have a good edit. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, his Edric bar is actually terrible. Eh. I mean, has a winner ever just been middle of the road the whole time? I doubt it. That seems yeah. unlikely. Backing and complexity. Yeah, like he was definitely missing something, but yeah. pretty like, good Edric bar. No, you might be like, oh, well, he's consistently there and it's not bad, so. Yeah, if you're just counting visibility, Jeremy looks like a good winner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I don't know. I'm looking at, like, just quickly zooming through and, like, the closest seems to be Chris for All Miller Road. I'm just looking Chris, for yellows. Chris uh, Underwood. Ah. Well, like, but, yeah, like. Some charts of Sophie. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Sophie is Sophie is number one for that. It's just, like, Middle Road the whole time, pretty much. But yeah, that's, like, a, a exceptional thing like it's not like i don't think anyone's thinking like hmm who's jeremy playing the most like sophie and south pacific <laughs> like no one's thinking that sure um yeah so i don't know like he, he didn't really have that much of a character but i i think he was playing really well and i think that's why he's forced into the season so much because probably when they are reflecting on how it went down a lot of it had to do with jeremy yeah and jeremy is a big threat i think with there being like Tony and Sarah and then Jeremy and then Kim sort of creates this weird like there's so many threats that like to get any one of them out you have to form a coalition that probably has partners with them and so it just always leads to getting smaller threats out until there's less choices yeah and so yeah I don't know I I like entered being a little nervous for him just because he vocal like everybody knows how Jeremy plays um Mm -hmm. and the fact that he made it this far is actually super impressive. Like, I just would not expect that to be in his... Like, I would have expected him being, like, a strong case for, like, the merge boot if he plays well. Not this far, honestly. Um, right. Because, like, I don't know. I, I do think that with the except... Like, some of these old school players sure are above him. But for new school players, he probably entered it with the biggest threat on his back. It's, like, him and... I think it's definitely him. Him and Sarah. And Tony, probably. Like, those three. Um... And, like, he did a really good job of... uh, And he probably even more so than them in terms of just being a leader. So, I don't know. I'm impressed with him. I think his story was, for the most part, good. I do think they could have probably added some complexity to maybe... Like, he should have been our person that we were debating about every week but i think they bungled that a little bit yeah that's for sure i will say he is not a one percenter he's a whopping three percenter like (gasps) i know something feels weird like it could happen like he got some like good focus when he was at edge right after he left that's true and he also in the recap like they have that moment where they're going through all the family visits and like all five of the finalists are shown plus jeremy so, like, it's a little tinfoil hat conspiracy, but, like, maybe he's the sixth piece. In which case, the season is boring. <laughs> like, Tony or Sarah wins. <laughs> Imagine it's just, like, Nick. Like, it's the final six again, guys. <laughs> hmm. That would be kind of funny. I would support that. Um, yeah. I mean, going to Nick. I really like yeah, Nick. It's up yeah. the season. Evil Jonathan Vampire's got some good qualities. Yeah. Like, maybe not the best player. Like, what were you doing? Literally... At that final six. Yeah. And seven. Yeah. Well, just like, what were you doing to get yourself into that final six? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I don't really. I think from what he knew, playing that advantage didn't look as bad as it was. Yeah. It really turned out as bad as you could possibly imagine. Right. Like literally the guy that you played on narrowly loses, like really narrowly loses and would have gone home. Like the person that instead one resulted in you going home like that's some time like time traveler bullshit that i can't 
super fault him for. Like, well, and I just don't think he, it looked to him like as obviously as he was number five. Yeah. Like, which is, I mean, Michelle was literally yelling it at him, but like, I still think he thought he had ends with like Tony and Sarah. Yeah, which I mean, to me, Nick is the best example of just how well Tony's playing. Because Nick talks a lot about how much he trusts Tony and his confessionals, right? Um, I think that Nick, to me, I thought it was, again, this is seeing the show with it manipulated and all the info in front of me. I thought it was pretty obvious you should vote out Ben at the Jeremy boot. And then vote out, like, I feel like he just did the wrong flip. Like, if you just flip those two, you vote out Ben... And then you have everybody against Jeremy. I think you actually have a lot more maneuverability there. Whereas Ben being there kind of locked up the game and they didn't even consider, you know what I mean? Like Sarah was thinking, how do I appease Ben more? She wasn't thinking at all about Nick. Um, That's where he made his mistake. But like the dude made it to the final six on the all winter season. Um, Like uh, that sounds, I mean, all the people in the final six made it to the final six. Like, I don't know. I think he, for the most part, played well. I think this was a big mistake. But, like, he didn't know anybody. For the most part, I think he played well. He did enter the merge in danger. Like, sure, he didn't have the biggest threat on his back. But I think he played fairly impressively. To me, I kind of stayed the same on him. Maybe a little lower. I don't know. I don't know. I think he played well to get to where he was, but then he, like, from the foresight, we're able to see he missed out on a lot of, lot of opportunities to flip and put himself yeah. in what probably would have been a better position. And that's why he's your number one, right? To win? Yeah. Yep. One percent. Yeah, okay. One <laughs> percent, yeah. I mean, I could see it. There's no chance. I, I feel like there's no chance he comes back. Does he get screen time next week? I mean, yeah, we're going to see him in the challenge. Other than the challenge? No, because they're just going to go to the challenge and then get on. You think again. so? Mm-hmm. If you I say it enough times, it becomes true. <laughs> I think they're going to do a recap. I think they're going to air the same recap, more no, or less. I, I have actual faith that they put their recap here and they are going to dive right into the episode. Like, that's my hot take prediction right now. <sighs> I wonder. I honestly like the recap at the start of the finale. Like, I don't, yeah. that might be a hot take. I like I it mean, there. <laughs> I do think that's a better place for it. <laughs> Like, I'm sure back in the days when I was less into Survivor, like, there's a bunch of stuff. Like, even in this one, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened in this season. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, your brains ain't perfect. Um, sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I always like those. So it's uh, I hope that's not how this goes. But, yeah, that's, I think that's good for Nick. I mean, his story ended up being <laughs> all about the fire token thing. And this is I think Nick's story is actually a good example of how editing bias works. Like. To them, they were giggling their face off, giving him his opening confessional about fire tokens, right? Like, that's why that happened. And then they, they thought it was of, hilarious. And they knew he was making it this far, and so they sort of just put him in where he was needed and yeah. where it made good negative sense, but didn't ever pay any more attention to him. And so when this happens, it still feels like it could happen in, like, a reasonable situation. And all the way backwards, it all makes sense. It makes sense backwards, forwards, forwards to this makes a little less sense because he doesn't come off that goofy till near the end until they introduce like, oh, Nick just butts into conversations randomly. Um, Mm -hmm. At no point do you get the sense that he's like the goofy character until then. Then it starts to make sense. Like, oh, maybe all the other stuff he said was uh, also goofy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think he's just a good example of that. Like, that's how most of what we do works, right? Is like, they know the answer 
So they, the way they ask the question is skewed. Like Nick probably gets a different content if this is Big Brother. Right. And they don't know who wins and don't know how his story ends. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to, yeah. It's like they know the answer, so they're trying to form the best leading question. Yeah, exactly. Or like they've been given an answer to a riddle and they're now crafting the riddle. No, yeah, that's that's 100% what it is. It's more of a riddle where it's like they're adding the flavor text and all that kind of stuff. Great. But yeah, that's Nick, which brings us to the Edge of Extinction. The rest of the gang. All uh, of these wonderful people. Uh, I don't know how we want to do this. I don't know if I want to talk about all 11 of them that we haven't talked about yet. <laughs> yeah, we could probably, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there's some people we can sort of brush off pretty quickly. Let's quickly go through who we can brush off. I would say Adam and Sophie got like no content this episode. Yeah. Which Sophie, rip, like who would have thought she has like crashed and burned. Yeah. Adam... Like, I guess it's a weird, like, maybe he could pop out out of nowhere. Like, never let go of Adam after that. Adam could come back. Linda said it. Um, I think go, Ethan. Eh, Ethan, I'm still, he's a 2%. Wendell, he's, Wendell's like, not above the rest. Um, Wendell and Yule, I think. Yeah, they're both dead. And then the last person I think I would cut out is Rob. Yeah, Rob is not coming back. He got he's his nice, one song. Yeah, nice episode, but... Oh, and then... I would, I cu- I would cut out Ethan myself, but... He's just, like, a step above. Like, I could see it weirdly happening. Sure. And then the other person to cut out, even though they had a really nice send-off, is Amber. Yes. No, Amber... Amber's one I want to talk about, though. Okay. Let's Well, let's talk about her now. Sure. Cause... So, yeah, Amber, really, when you look at this season, was a character the whole time. She got good content all throughout. Um, Like, her premiere's good. I mean, in fact, she gets voted out. Um, because it's a dumb way to put it, but like, then immediately <laughs> she looks super good. Uh, for a long time, uh, people were considering her, and well, one person was considering. <laughs> one person was considering her. <laughs> um, uh, those the um, but and then she gets this awesome send off, right? Like, yeah, amazing. Like Amber to like host, like Amber take over for Jeff Brooks. Yeah, and like I think. Amber might have ended up with more content than Rob, maybe. Like more of an impact. Cause I feel like God forbid they do more Edge of Extinction seasons, but what we do notice between these two is that there's a trend of sort of setting the tone of it with the first person, or I guess the second person. But like someone who's there from the beginning. And so you have yeah. Reem and Amber sort of have these very strong narrative and positive interactions with the Edge. So like Yeah. And I mean Reem went a little more negative, but at times, Amber, yeah. Amber was definitely glowing. Like she was like, I don't want to leave the edge of extinction. Like, yeah, I could just picture her being like, I don't want to go back to those kids. Ah. She got Stockholm syndrome from the island. But Reem kind of got the same confessional, eh? Like Right. Almost note for note, she got like the same thing. Like, I've got to live my dream out here and I just don't want to go back. Like, Mm -hmm. this is my home. I mean, it's two seasons, but like that sort of positivity towards Edge of Extinction as a concept makes me higher on the returnee as a whole. Yeah. So it's just not actually Amber. Exactly. She is (laughs) metaphor for Edge of Extinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I guess that brings us to Danny, who I'm actually surprised is on here. What do you mean? That we didn't axe. I oh, would right. Oh, yeah. I think Danny let's talk about her. Danny's probably the next person to talk about. Um, I don't know. I think she still could do it. She's like, solidly. still? Yeah. What makes I don't you know. think she, okay, you, she had her strong 
coconut challenge. Yeah, the coconut challenge was good for her. I'll give you that. Like, because she didn't even end up getting a token, right? Like, yeah. yeah, like that was kind of over the top. If she doesn't come back, I'm like, okay, did we really need that scene? Um, Yeah, it is. I think maybe it was you that posited that like everyone needs their due. And if you don't yeah. give Danny like moments of like taking my time to do these challenges, like what does Danny have? Other than, yeah. like, flaming out of the game spectacularly in 18. Yeah, like, that's the thing is, to me, like, she got her fish scene. And that made, I don't know if you know, that made the recap. Um, Danny with a spear. Like, the, the, could they not have used footage we hadn't seen before? I don't, whatever. Um, but, like, yeah, okay, so Danny got that. Danny got a couple good moments throughout, like, the scene where her and Parvati find the whatever it is in the stairs. Like, that was good. That said, I, I think that at this point, they pro- I think they were just giving her the, the, the Edge of Extinction treatment. Like, she's just like Amber. She's just less interesting. I don't know. What are you going to do when Danny wins? <sighs> I honestly, honestly, like, I'm not, I'm not even going to say it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> like... Like honestly, I don't think I would continue watching Survivor. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I, like I feel even though I'm strongly rooting almost for an Edge of Extinction returning, because I think that's fun. Like, if they bring back Edge of Extinction, I think I'm like, no. Like we've seen what this does to the game twice. It makes it literally different. Like, yeah, <laughs> fool me once. Like. Literally, the like, I remember when it was first announced, and I'm like, that's gonna break the game, that's so stupid. And then everyone's like, just wait and see. Like, imagine on winners, like, you get Tony the whole time. I'm like, well, now I've got Tony the whole time, but, but then like, Danny won, <laughs> yeah, but then Danny won, or whatever. It's like, like, I just to me, it, it breaks the game. Like, like, this season's good in spite of itself, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I just I think of how much better it would be without. You're right. If they bring it back, I don't think I would watch this season, to be honest. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel and, like they, and they have to have learned their lesson, like between like fan outrage and like Sandra being like, nope, bye. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope so. I like, I mean, that's the thing. I like Danny could come back. I think it's very unlikely at this point. I think, I think that they, with our story of like the toll of Survivor, they really wanted to give everybody at least a little bit of airtime. Right. That was positive. And you're right. Like, like you said, like, especially of the pre-emergers, I think Danny's the one that you can point to and say, like, she did the most wrong to get voted out. Hmm. And I know I'm a Danny hater, um, but I, I do think that that will make them give her a few more positive scenes than otherwise, because she's a good person and all that kind of stuff. They're glad she came out and like she had some captivating moments. I also think in a challenge involving grabbing coconuts for hours whoever keeps going it's a cheap way to get tv time i think that's why rob did it too um like i think they're always gonna show like ethan try faints when he picks up all the logs and danny faints and falls down when she's carrying the coconuts back and forth i can't believe they did that more than once back and forth around the island multiple times but um like i think it's always gonna get tv time i don't know yeah, no, it's like no. the ultimate cheap trick, you know. Like, <sighs> I can dream. Next up, I guess you want to talk about Ethan. Oh, I thought we. I really we asked him. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I was just gonna say I think his story bits could just be he's just generally more positive in his story and stuff. That's like enough to lift him like above the rest of the people. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, like I'd give him like point five. But yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's going to happen. It'd be pretty dumb 
Like, like I love Ethan a lot, to be honest. Yeah, but like, he should have had more if he's coming back. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. that would be a missed opportunity. Which mm-hmm. brings us to Natalie. Natalie now my number one. Really? Oh, I missed one? Yeah, we have three people to talk about stuff. Oh, um, no, no, no. I didn't say our last one. I said our next oh, one. Okay, Natalie. Silly. Yeah, now Natalie is my number one to come back. I th- Her or Parvati? Her or Parvati? Mm, ah. To come back, Natalie. I think. Okay. To win, so, I don't think there's a world Natalie wins. Yeah, I have Natalie as like my second most likely to come back. That's fair. I think that's pretty reasonable. I don't know. I'm kind of blending coming back and winning. So like, I guess I have her second most likely of the edge to win. Ah, but it's it's like there, but like that premiere is just it's so bad. bad. Chris's premiere sucked too, though. And, like, so much of it is circumstantial. Like, she just owned Edge of Extinction. So, like, yeah, she got a really good edit there. Yeah. Uh, She's one I could bounce all around on my list. I think Uh, there's some fun things. So, for example, if she comes back, the... The boot order then becomes all old players. It's no longer mm -hmm. randomly old players in Natalie. Um, that's one reason I'm rooting for it just for like the voting chart alone. Cause I think it makes it look cooler, um, and have a clearer story Two, I think that Natalie interestingly got two segments this week instead of everybody else's one. That's important. Um, and I'm kind of talking myself out of her being number one now and just being number two, but <laughs> okay. well, I, I do think that that moment when Tyson's like in all my seasons of playing, that's the most generous thing that's ever happened to me. Like that's, that's pretty dang good for both of them. Um, but yeah, like I'm kind of surprised she bought, I, I also feel bad that she had all those coins and like, she couldn't actually do anything with them. It's stupid. Like she could have bought herself another idol. Like it's weird that she gave it to Tyson. I mean, Jeremy is there. So like, why did she give it to Tyson? Like they must have yeah. really like, sorry, I found a new best friend. Maybe she bought both and one only one made air. Mm-hmm. She had leftover tokens, right? Uh, she bought three advantages. And those are two coins each, so six. She had an idol already. She bought three a three idol thing for Tyson. Mm-hmm. So she's so used that's to, nine. Oh yeah, and then she bought peanut butter. So yeah, she had four tokens left over. Yeah, she could have bought Jeremy one too, or she bought peanut butter for everyone. Or hard to know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To me, her coming back is weird because she. Like, despite that, she doesn't super have a story other than being athletic, like being a beast. Yeah, it's like the issue is what is the expectation of an Edge of Extinction story when you're literally the first one there? Yeah. Like, I mean, she's had bits where she's like, I want to come back and like the positive moment when she finished the log challenge and all sorts of stuff throughout. I don't know. It's hard to say, like with her specifically, just because like, you're right. She pretty much won every single one of the little games and like had good showings in them. So like, I don't know what that means. Like she probably like if you're showing the game, you kind of have to show who wins it. It's the same problem with challenges. Like they can't really edit challenges that much. Right. They edit the time of them down, but like someone wins immunity at the end of the challenge. Yeah. Someone finds the fire token under the Easter egg. Every one of these things like it's just how it works um mm-hmm. it's like i don't know i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> probably something really clever um but yeah i don't know it's it just it's it's that problem is it's just hard to know how much is her how much is the 
necessity. You do get so many people give her second person visibility about how strong she is. That's good. And I think the ultimate, this is what I was going to say, the ultimate challenge for the editing team would be to even remotely successfully edit the season where the first boot wins. Yeah. Like that is the ultimate uphill battle. The all winner season. Yeah. Which like, hey, production, don't let that happen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah maybe don't create a system that could have that happen but they have to win two challenges for it to happen i don't know mm-hmm. so but yeah it could happen and it's not the worst edit ever so yeah i have her third overall yeah because like really when you think about it like how many people are like i'm just thinking people i know that i've talked to about survivor no one's like wow natalie sucks like they all maybe that's how you do it you constantly mention how great she is and how she's a force and natalie's a superhero (laughs) to make say that enough times and maybe people forget she was the first boot very possible um that's been like her story has been a story of dominance yeah and maybe that's how you show the winner if they're the first loser right like i mean the weird thing about edge of extinction was there's no negativity like anywhere on it nope the whole time so like bunch of smiley people or sad people yeah like that's it like Mm -hmm. like literally like i wish i was still in or I'm happy to be here and trying smiley face like really bland content across the board as far as I'm concerned hard to discern what's better bland content Mm -hmm, for sure um that brings us to poverty you want to discuss poverty next uh you can pick if you want to pick somebody else I guess mm, well I mean it's poverty or Tyson let's do Tyson first because I think it's interesting because so Tyson I think is actually my it's him or Natalie him or Natalie's coming back Small chance of poverty. That's my take. Tyson could still win. He's the only one I think that could win from here. Make a whole lot of sense. He got that last confessional being like, and if I come back in, I'm going to win. He obviously already came back once. Um, He had that whole confessional about like, once I build the roots, uh, you can't stop me. He is an endurance. Like he's a professional athlete. All that kind of stuff is really good for him. Um, I just like, I don't know. He has an idol. Kind of. Do you, think, uh, do you think they always show Natalie giving him the idol? Um, no. Yeah. See, that's kind of what gives me the most hesitation is like, why is that scene so important? Like, that's why I think it's probably one of them. But I also think like from where he got voted out to this episode has been really lackluster. That's true. But so does Rick Devins's, right? Like, that is a trick they kind of did. Was like, yeah, I mean, hope Chris you Under- forget he got voted out. Chris Underwood had weak points, so like, yeah, uh, maybe I don't know. I could probably put him higher, but like, and he does have the most memorable lines. Like, the only ones I can remember from Edge of Extinction in any meaningful capacity are like the, like, I don't, so it ruins some people's lives getting voted out. Like, mm-hmm. is it gonna ruin your life, Wendell? That was Tyson. Like everything. Like I don't know. Like. It seems in the realm of possibility to me that Tyson could come back. I think he could win or he could lose in that spot too. Like I, I, I really think that he makes sense in both spots. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it was like definitely at one point it was like a super big Tyson stand. And now it just doesn't feel like, right. It felt like he returned the first time and that was the completion of the story. Yeah. I was with you pretty much until this week. Like, and that's why I'm like, maybe I'm just getting played. That's why I'm between Natalie and Tyson. I just, I don't think that always gets shown that idol. Yeah. And not if it does, it's like a quick thing, not a whole confessional and segment about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Cause I feel like an edge of extinction attorney comes in and I don't think they get revolving door. I think they are influential. Yeah. And I mean, both of them have an idol. So 
they would be at least guaranteed to stay for one. So yeah, that's why I kind of think it's one of those two. I guess that could mean it's also Rob. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I'd be stunned if it's Rob. Like if it's Rob, yeah. they screwed up. But right. Um, which brings us to our last person. Yeah, uh, Parvati. Um, we we'll remember yonder premiere. My contender list was Sophie Tyson, Ewell, Ethan, Parvati. And boy, things have changed. But I think I come back to this penultimate step of the war to put Parvati back in number one. Um, <laughs> no! Like, Explain. Okay, it's very, it's like, like I said, it's very close. Parvati has like 18%, Michelle has 17 So like, but I think I'm finally like putting all my chips in like the Parvati shallow returnee rise like a phoenix narrative. So She's like, gonna burn your house down, Joe. So she had that quote. It got referenced in the recap. Which is good. Uh, I know that's just like a solid quote. So maybe it's just that. But I think there was early episodes of this podcast where I was, when I fell off Parvati, I was like, gosh, this edit really is bad for someone who is winning the game. And I think I was taking that as though Parvati never went to the edge of extinction. But I think looking at those earlier episodes, they're not so bad for someone who does spend most of their time at the edge. Yeah. I think her boot episode is one that's presented as without fault to the boot, Mm -hmm. which I think is really good for Parvati. And at this point, if you're making a rule list of Edge of Extinction, Returnee is on there. Well, like Chris weirdly did cause his own fate, but I don't know. Um, And then her Edge content has always been good. Like she had a strong episode after she got eliminated and she's like come back throughout multiple time segments in the rest of the episodes. She was weirdly strong in the coconut challenge, like talking about how she compared to ultimate athlete Tyson. Yeah. Um, she's found some advantages too. She had a really strong family visit. Like, I don't know. It just has never felt like Parvati's story is done. That's true. And yeah, I just think along with that, she has a friendship with Michelle, who is still mm-hmm. in the game that can be explored. Um, I don't know. I think there's weird bones to this win. So that is where I'm putting my stake. <laughs> An edge of an attorney. I love it. Like, I don't agree, but I love it. Like, oh. I love <laughs> I mean, one, Parvati, like, I say Tony's my favorite. It probably actually is Parvati. Like, it's one of those two. Um, That would make me unbelievably happy. I don't know. I would would be so conflicted. I would be so conflicted. (laughs) Uh, Like, I would actually have to, like, meditate for a couple hours. Um, But, yeah, no, like, I see what you're saying, too, because her edit really is pretty good when you just, like, if you just took the content and just put it in a highlight reel and didn't tell anyone she got voted out. Probably looks like a winner edit, right? The Rise of the Phoenix thing being her first confessional would be as on the nose as Nick's Fire Tokens one. I don't think that's disqualifying. You're right. She has that bond with Michelle. Uh, Her boot episode wasn't a big deal. The problem is that she's poverty shallow. That said, Boston Rob didn't get that much on Edge of Extinction. So reputation doesn't necessarily translate to amount of content. Um, Additionally, we have seen her, if we follow the rule of Chris Underwood and Rick and Tyson, all showed to be the most adept at the social game, question mark, on Edge. Mm. Poverty fits that. She's, at one point, best friends with Danny. At one point, best friends with Natalie. At one point, best friends... Uh, with Rob, right? Like, like Parvati wins if she makes the end, yeah. right? Like, that's, I think, almost 
a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a crazy, crazy idea to be honest. The biggest problem would be her winning the challenge, but mm-hmm. I mean, Parvati's good at challenges. Like the problem is that you have Natalie and like, like the problem is you have a bunch of professional athletes in there. Yeah, it just that is really the biggest hurdle. And I mean, at least the best thing is I'll know how wrong I am like twenty minutes in. So, yeah i don't know it does seem really impossible that like anyone could beat natalie when she has three advantages but i don't know i mean i, I don't know i thought the advantages in uh the last one were pretty lame yeah but i don't know like i i think it's not a bad thought process at all like i think it's the right thinking too is like if you're really considering everybody and like an edge of extinction attorneys coming back in we know that you have to like if this isn't, if Danny gets the same content as Parvati, Danny's coming back in the game. The two hesitations are one that's Parvati and she's super charming. Two, maybe she just like was playing really well on Edge and so did have everyone's ear. Like that seems possible too as well. Mm-hmm. Like, like why was she in all those combos? Um, it didn't seem manipulated to show her that well. It seemed like she just kind of was with everybody. Um, that's another thing. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I actually. Just to jump back to Tyson, uh, the fact that so or sorry, Sarah called Tyson her best friend. Like, I, I think that's why Tyson could come back too. Yeah, Sarah Tyson. Sarah Tyson. Tyson does have some unresolved bits too. He does have that weird moment with Nick as well, which I don't know how that can play out because they're on the edge now. But well, I think um, it's because they voted together at the merge. Oh, true. Um, but yeah, that's Edge. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. My 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 prediction is. I don't know. Natalie, Parvati, or Tyson are coming back, and I, I'll side with you. I think Parvati could win if she comes in. I don't think the other two probably could. You don't think Tyson could? I thought you thought Tyson could. You talked me out of it, I think. Like, oh. Tyson could come back. I feel like he could be... He could win, but, like, Parvati actually kind of would win, I think, if she came back. That's my take. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think that's a good take. I guess Parvati's other hurdle is that she doesn't have an idol, so, like... yeah. She could get revolving door. But you'd think she'd work with Michelle. Yeah, and if anyone can sort of put worms in people's ears. Yeah. One problem is she doesn't really have, as far as I can remember, like, I want to play a perfect game or anything like that. Like, you don't have the super desire for redemption Mm -hmm. from her. But maybe you don't need it. Like, we have one frame of knowledge for it. So, um, frame of reference, sorry um for it so it's hard to say but i actually really like that take uh, i i do think natalie coming back is the most likely just on yeah. advantage to uh athletic ability alone yeah my take for winners i think is i have tony sarah tony at like 65 sarah at 25 poverty at 10 at 5 uh Tyson at two. Everyone else somehow makes up the three. It's like a super close race because I don't know what's going on. I guess I will say if I may cheat, the Edge of Extinction winner or Edge of <laughs> Extinction returning is the winner. Okay, I'll Most accept that. Of- if you're making them your number one, that's fine. But like more clearly, it's like Parvati, then Michelle, <laughs> then Natalie, then Tony. Now uh, Michelle gets medevaced and then wins the Extinction Challenge. <laughs> yep, same as Tony. <laughs> Cool, 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 So who's going to come sixth? Who's our honorary Victoria Baymonde? And will it be in the same way that they come in and they're just like, hey, the jury is for this person. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Tony. It's Tony. With the idol? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it is Denise. That's my take. Uh, fifth place. Oh, so this is like the way I see things playing out? Okay. Yeah. 
I think so we always everybody do this. has whispered in Sarah's ear, and then like all the girls are gonna get together and vote us out. So they vote out Tony. Uh, then with an idol in his pocket. Yeah. Uh, then hmm. Then they get out Sarah. Oh wow. She says bonkers. <laughs> I mean, she definitely deserves the one if she takes out Tony and Sarah back to back. <laughs> and then who's our fire making loser? Um, well, that is Michelle. That makes sense. And then so what? You have Denise, Parvati, Ben. Ben. Yep. And Parvati wins. Parvati wins. I I I don't think that's a crazy idea. Because Parvati and Ben kind of had a going at each other at, at the start. I could see it. I could see it. Uh, Parvati kind of made fun of Denise and Adam for going off by themselves. All sell a final two or final three. Amazing. The true complex tribe. The true complex tribe all along. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Denise six. I okay. think she gets like advantage getting it out minus one. Like she gets one voter. Like, like it's between two people. She's one of them. Yeah. Um, I think edge of extinction returnee is fifth yeah i think no who is it i think natalie comes actually i'm double backing again i'm gonna say denise six it's just boom craziness chaos chaotic pace of the game ah denise leaves in the craziest moment in survivor history or something like that like i think they'll play it up that way but i I suspect i will hate it i I suspect (laughs) i will have a grumpy curmudgeon-y tweet about it uh about denise denise's expulsion from the game at five i think we're gonna see uh ben leave i I think i think edge returnee michelle and michelle's immune edge of extinction attorney michelle and who's the other person left who isn't tony uh oh never mind denise and ben (laughs) oh okay no so then 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 um michelle is fire making loser Against Edge of Extinction Returnee. Okay. Which brings us to Tony, Sarah, Edge of Extinction Returnee, and Tony Woods. Okay. There's no tie. There's no tie. Mm. That's my take. Yeah, in your case, then the Edge of Extinction winner better be Danny. Because why are they not... I guess yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. In Edge of Extinction Returns five and Ben's, I I don't know. That's that's actually kind of tricky. They haven't. I think Ben gets fired. Like he's gonna make fired out though. Hmm. I'm just using the Janet Carbon. Jet carbon rules. Okay, but yeah, well, that's that's my take. One of us is definitely right. <laughs> I think we might both be wrong. I think we might both be wrong. Um, but yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's our show. Uh, you can email us at thewinneredit at gmail Again, so sorry we didn't have a show last week. Hopefully, this one makes up for it. Uh, new episodes on Saturdays or Sundays. Sometimes never. Sometimes the week after. Never. Um, that's just how it works. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Kills Bees. Um, you can follow Joe on Twitter at jchapman9000. Uh, that's been our show. Thank you so much for all the support. We'll be back, uh, maybe not next week, but at some point to recap at what the, the season is actually about. Yeah, yeah. Usually we put we watch a lot more of the season back to make that one. So sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But yeah, like maybe we're a bunch of idiots and it's all completely different than we thought. Who knows? Either way, it'll be fun. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. we're always at our saltiest, I think on that one. So, oh, yeah. um, like, <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it'll be a fun time. Um, farewell. Yeah.